so I guess I finally figured out what um, Romano was talking about like a hundred episodes ago. No, <laughs> hell yeah, hundred and fifty now. It was one of the clip shows. I wasn't there, and you, it was obviously about me and googly eyes, probably. <laughs> and you know, Romano's talking about how cause it was. I think it was Mike was talking about his first episode too, and it's like I don't know, like what kind of bullshit Ian's saying half the time. But Yasha's like, you can't freaking tell. <laughs> And, like, I got to, like, live that moment through fresh perspective recently. So I had a work call, and my boss was talking about, you know, the job. There's, like, five or six of us from our department in there. And he's like, you know, they don't teach this 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 specific job in college. He's, you know, we like, we all got different degrees and stuff. He said something like, I'm accounting. He's like, Ian, for example, is uh, philosophy. And he's like, no, what are you really, Ian? And I just go, Middle Eastern history with a focus in uh, early Middle Ages. And he's like, what? Really? So is everyone else. I'm like, no, nah, I got a business degree. And they're all like, wait, what? You said that so stone-faced we couldn't tell. So I was like, oh, shit, I put on, I did my podcast thing. <laughs> did it work? You have a shtick. <laughs> Here we are. Hello. Yeah. Hey, welcome to another episode of Brian and Super Friends. This is our big 250th episode. Uh, I am your host, Brian Leibick. Joining me for this episode is the voice of the South Hills and previously known as Mr. Movie Slut, Josh Zorich. Well, I'm only previously? Did someone usurp my title? I, I didn't think you wanted to be known as that anymore, so I've, we've shelved that, I thought, for the time being. Well, you want to take up the mantle? I, it's, I, I it's have, all so, yours. I have some work to do then. <laughs> Uh, next up, he lost his podcast virginity by talking about hut consent laws. Mike Bradley. That's a, that's a fact. <laughs> I, I can't dispute that, and it's not negative. It's not. All right, good. <laughs> I like that intros are back. I'm trying. I wasn't sure I was going to feel about it, but I'm all right with it so far. And last up, we got from googly eyes to white spider liquid, most likely the reason all of you are here to listen. Leroy the Dream Killer, Ian Leidick. Last episode, it was pointed out for the first time in 12 appearances that I did not compare the Teenage Mutant Turtles movie franchise to the movie being discussed in a negative light. If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I am so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith, as there's a deep drive into deep left field by Castellanos, so and that'll be a home run, and that makes it a 4-0 ball game! So did we, did we bring the Ian translator for today? <laughs> I, no one, no one was on Twitter here that day, so <laughs> you guys will never know what that's all about. All right, so this is it. This is two hundred fifty. We are still doing this thing. Uh, first and foremost, so thank you for everyone listening, whether you're listening in the traditional podcast format or if you're watching on Twitch Live. Seriously, thank you for giving us some of your time for this little hobby of ours. Uh, this is. One of those numbers I don't think I ever really thought we'd hit. 250 seems like such a large margin. Uh, it always kind of seemed too far, and yet here we are. We are at 250. Uh, this iteration of the show has always has existed for probably, I want to say, six years, going on six years now. Coming up on our seventh anniversary. Is it seven? Oh, Jesus, yeah. yeah 200, yeah. It's because of 2015, yeah. So I can't yeah. math. 2022 is seven. <laughs> yes, you are correct. <laughs> so even longer than I thought about, really. Holy shit. 
Yeah, it's insane when I stop to think about it. It's nuts. Um, so, of course, I mean, I couldn't do it without these guys, too. So I got to thank you guys for giving up, you know, your time every so often, every week, every other week to just shoot the shit with me. Because let's face it, none of us are getting paid for this. So we're doing all of this out of the goodness of our heart. And I very much appreciate it. I mean, I did that one time. Did you? Oh, you did. Yeah, you actually made... You're the only one to make money off this podcast. <laughs> I checked White Spider Liquid. Yeah, White Spider Liquid. I bought a shirt. That's how I made money. You bought multiple shirts. <laughs> I did. I did. One was an accident, and then he made the White Spider Liquid shirt, and I had to buy that. And the other one... Yeah, I mean... It's Vin Diesel. You know? Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to do it later tonight. So, enough with all the mushy stuff. So, the reason you are here, we're talking about our favorite movies of the last two years. So, if you're new here, I'll set this up for you just so we have an idea of what we're doing. Uh, each of us has made a list of our top ten favorite movies over the last two years. So, we never, we usually do it yearly. We did not do one for 2020 because not much came out that year. So, since most of that stuff got delayed into 2021, uh, we're allowing stuff that released in 2020 to be fair game for this list. Uh, so, we are have picked our order beforehand. Um, we have not compared lists, which is part of the fun for doing this. Uh, none of us know what the other people have picked. Um, we start with everyone's number 10. We've picked an order beforehand, so it's going to go me, Mike, Ian, and Josh. That'll be the order. We'll do 10, we'll go to 9, and then so on up to number 1. Uh, we wrap up with a few categories like honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list. We'll hit a few surprises and a few disappointments. Um, I do make it a point to... Not include any, like, worst movie lists. So, you know, everyone has different tastes. They like different stuff. What might be a bad movie for one person is not, isn't, you know, another person's favorite movie. So just because... Captain we, America 1996. Yeah, exactly. 1990. <laughs> it wasn't like... Whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Came out any... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just because we didn't like something doesn't mean you won't like something. So our disappointment list is more about movies that didn't really live up to our expectations, not necessarily bad movies. Um, I also want to stress, too, that our discussion for all of these movies will be spoiler-free. So that goes double for you, chat. Nothing, nobody spoiled anything. Uh, we would like this show to be... <laughs> Thinks he can control <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> uh, this is this is something we try to do as far as, you know, it's a show that I, I always viewed it as something that someone can come to to get recommendations on movies to watch. So because of that, we're not here to spoil the entire movie for someone who hasn't seen it. So please be mindful of that if you are talking in chat about these movies. Please, please, please do not spoil it for someone else. Um, also, what uh, I like to do for these episodes too, and, and you know, people on Twitch will be able to see this in real time as we're going, is I try to organize these lists uh, that everyone gives us and pull in the Rotten Tomatoes ratings for the movies as we talk about them. And then we see who has the average rating, the best average rating uh, for their list based on that score. I know it's not the best rating to use, but it's easy enough to find, and it adds a little something fun for the show. And then uh, while we're doing this, actually, people in chat, if you want to play along with us, feel free to give us your top 10 movies in chat. If you want to try to keep pace with us, that would be the best way to go. So when we're on number 10, if you want to give us your number 10, once we get to 9, give us your number 9. Uh, we're going to try to have someone behind the scenes maybe put, in, put that in the list, and we will try to get back to you with your average Rotten Tomato rating at the end of the show. We'll see how this goes, if we can do all this on the fly. Um, I've continually joked that this episode will be four hours long, but, you, that, you know, episodes that we usually do with these lists are wrong, are pretty long anyway, so this could be a very, very real possibility. So, with that in mind, we're going to kick off the lists. 
so as I said, I think I'm going first this time. Normally, normally I go last, uh, but they have volunteered me to go first. So n my number 10, which I'm going to make sure I can update the spreadsheet as we're going. So we're going to scroll over to me. My number 10. So my number 10, I have the Suicide Squad. So Shit I... list. <laughs> what's that? Shit list. Come on. I, it's already number 10, and we, you already fucked the whole thing up. I can't just click end stream. Let's go pack it home. You ruined it. What's the matter? How are you ranking one of the greatest masterpieces of <laughs> superhero genre number 10? We'll, we'll see where it makes on your list. We'll see. For me, it was number 10. Um, I really liked this movie. I thought it was, uh, you know, coming off of uh, David Ayer's Suicide Squad, it was, it was different. It was enough of a departure. And... Hell, the first five minutes are really kind of set the stage for this movie and what you're going to expect. And James Gunn knows how to handle ensemble casts and bigger movies. I wanted to rate it higher, I guess, um, but that's just kind of where it fell for me. I I enjoyed it. I also wanted you. To I have that. I have not seen Peacemaker yet. For anyone that's curious, it's it's on my back burner to uh, see where that character goes following this movie. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at. I it. Came in at number ten. It was. It was. I was debating if I was going to make the list at all, but I did bring it into number ten. You know, I I just rewatched this actually yesterday. Um, this is one that, it, like, I'm gonna be very honest. It was rewatched yesterday because the last two episodes of Peacemaker were so much fucking fun. I wanted to watch it again. I was like, you know, I I want to watch because seriously, guys, if you're not watching Peacemaker. Check the show out. It's I've awesome. heard good you things. Need to get I got to get there sooner rather than later. James Gunn is having so much fun with this show. But we're here to talk about Suicide Squad, the movie, not the show. Got me to watch it. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I was impressed that Brian managed to stomach through it, and I'm actually impressed that it makes it here on his list. <laughs> um, you know, there, there were some it, parts. I'll be honest. There were some parts. There's some that gets you with the gore, but that, like to me, I love the comedic gore that James Gunn loves to throw in yeah. to the movie. It works. Um, you know, like you said, with from the start of the movie, setting the tone all the way throughout the different gags are great. Um, I was not coming out of the movie expecting to see Peacemaker end up with a show. Um, you know, that, that was kind of a surprise to have be a result of that movie, but, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was good, zany fun. It was well done. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the biggest uh, strengths it had, one of the biggest wins that it achieved was, you know, what, what we had been talking about for five years between the release of those two movies was, okay, what is this reboot, requel, sequel, right? Like, what the hell is this going to be? And he, like, kind of addresses some of that quickly and establishes the the circumstances he wants without really ignoring what you know he looked like the important stuff that you needed to know addressed it and moved forward but yeah. effectively like it's his own movie and you know to mike's point the um maybe not since like slither i i would say um has he had to really like had a, a reason to play with that over the top comedic violence in in that way like it definitely doesn't go you know as far as it would in gardens of the galaxy it's all you know implied and 
and whatnot and it's pg-13 disney version um but sort of like let loose and like let off the leash um yeah he he's he's just really good at it he's proven he's good at ensemble movies multi-character balancing combining drama with comedy with action um i think i think it hit well yeah it it definitely exceeded expectations for me ian what do you think you you disagree you think this should be higher that's one point Uh, another point is i think will smith said it best when he said what is this some kind of quasi sequel reboot um it's to show that's a play on him saying what is this some kind of i got that okay keep up with me i'm levels gun continued to show his strength in blending film and sound to create a fun romp through south america uh he once again also showed that you can take a diverse cast of characters and create a fun romp of destruction and mayhem throughout the solar system or in one specific country. It was a lot of fun. I was really excited to see them make a DC movie that didn't suck dick. And um, here we are. Fair enough. Uh, anything else to add for Suicide Squad? We'll go to Mike's number 10. All right, Mike, you're up. Number 10. I Yeah, I, I don't think you could really sum it up better than making a DC movie that doesn't suck dick <laughs> Suicide Squad. Put that on the poster. Well done. Um, shifting gears in tone from that completely, we're going to go over to a Disney movie, uh, and my number 10 is Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, this was directed by Don Hall. Uh, if you don't know who that is, that's Big Hero 6 and Moana's director. Um, and starring Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina, Gemma Chan, Isaac Wong, Benedict Wong were the stars in this movie. And, you know, this was, I guess, the kind of movie that felt good to see disney making um uh it's a movie that you know this world that's broken uh into these different i guess tribes or cult not cults they're not cults groups that are at each other's throats over essentially nothing at all but bringing them back together through trust and I don't know. It, it was a fun journey, I guess, for Disney to make. Um, and it introduced me to... Honestly, I can't think of the last time I liked a character uh, in a Disney movie. In, an, I guess, an original Disney movie. Um, as much as I liked Little Noi. She was hilarious. Uh, if you guys don't recall or if you haven't seen it. She's kind of like a little ninja baby that yes, okay, steals shit and it. She she's hilarious. She's just a little ninja criminal baby with it, it's it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, the, the, I mean, it was a pretty movie. It looked really good, and yeah, without spoiling a whole lot about what happens, you should watch it. It's a good, uh, I guess, tale of caution for kind of how the world is in a lot of ways. So I'll be honest, I tried to watch this movie. I couldn't get through Aquafina's voice for some reason. Really? I don't, it, it distracted me. I couldn't get behind it. I started to get annoyed and stopped halfway through. However, like having her in Shang-Chi and stuff like that, I was fine with her there. So I don't know if it's like animated form or like if that's the difference for me or if it was just that character she was playing. I don't know. It, it kept pulling me out of it and I got distracted. I have every intention to try to go back and watch it, but I did not finish the movie. I, I felt like her voice fit the zaniness of the character. 
Like, I felt like the character was meant to be awkward enough that it it worked. Yeah. So maybe I but, just got to give it another chance, but I, I did not finish it. This is so well I, worth finishing. I, okay. I have a whole category of movies as I was doing my review and putting my list together that I put in the, like, I need to definitely rewatch them before I can make any sort of judgment. So, like, the stuff in that group isn't going to appear anywhere on my other stuff. Th- this was in it. Like, I remember enjoying it a lot, but not really being able to recall any strong feelings about it one way or the other. And I didn't have time to get around to it. Um, I do remember it being a good time. One of the uh, uh, most interesting things I actually thought was afterward uh, on Disney Plus, at least like they have uh, like the DVD extras right there on, on the streaming service and like watching like the making of it. Um, they basically made 98 percent of the movie, like the actual production in 2020 during COVID. Um, and yeah, I think okay. it came out like early summer 2021. So they did. Uh, like all the logistics to figure out how to put like sound recording booths in the major uh, voice actors homes for the most part. And you had all the animators and, you know, everybody working from home and the coordination Um, definitely a, a product of the time, definitely a, you know, a snapshot of, of our, of our era right now. Um, But that actually helped me, I think, appreciate what had gone into it a lot, a lot more. So if yeah. you if you ever do look it up, um, be sure to watch the behind the scenes stuff. Ian, did you see that one? No. So for the first and not last time tonight, this is not one of the fourteen movies I saw released <laughs> in the year twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. Ian is basically here against his will. I kind of forced him just to be on for the hell of it. <laughs> it's animated. It might fall in his wheelhouse. You know. <laughs> I mean, dragons animation. We're getting there. We got to be getting closer. Uh, anything else to add for Rhea? Or we'll move on to Ian's number 10. Nothing? All right. Ian, what's your number 10? Number 10! Fate Grand Order Divine Realm of the Round Table Camelot Wandering Egatarium. This is the directorial debut of Kizuto Ira, who spent most of their career in key animation. The year? 1273, Jerusalem. Three major powers wage war on each other in this wasteland. The Knights of the Round Table come together to protect the Holy City and their Lion King. With this whole kingdom surrounded, Ozymandias, the Sun King, quietly pots against the tyranny of this bizarre realm. The Mountain People, protectors of those who were stripped of land, await their chance at rebellion. In order to fulfill his mission, Bedivere heads for the Holy City where the Lion King rules. This is where he meets humanity's final master, Ritsuki Fujimaru, who has come to Jerusalem accompanied by his demi-servant, Mash Creelite. This is the latest film in the Fate Grand Order subseries of Fate Stay Night Universe films, which are all, of course, in the Nowoverse. Uh, this is uh, based on a mobile game. This is the actual story pulled from the mobile game turned into a set of three films featuring uh, characters throughout history who you summon as servants. One of them is the Lion King, a.k.a. Uh, Simba. King Arthur, oh. who is known as, in this, Artoria Pendragon, and she is King Arthur. She's gender-bent King Arthur. And in this inception of it, this is a King Arthur that gave up Excalibur and used the Holy Lance instead and has become the Lion King and now rules the Holy City. This was masterfully animated. It had great voice acting. It just all blended together in a serene action sense. And I, me and some friends have watched a lot of the different Fate series, and I was really excited to see this one come out from a game I had recently played at the time. And it was a great first entry into this 
new part of the franchise and i'm really excited for it and actually the character of artoria pendragon has been played by the same lady voice acted since the original game released in 2006 15 years what is the name of the game fate stay night what was the name it's of the movie because i feel like you rattled off a lot of stuff and i don't know if i got that fate? title grand order divine realm of the round table camelot i still lost it just... wondering <laughs> aka Terrible. Yeah, you're gonna have to send that to me so I can put it in the spreadsheet. That that yeah, sounds not like the on Rotten Tomatoes. That sounds like the commands given to the Winter Soldier to wake him up. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. That's. But all right. Anybody so, else see, see this? this is one? The, yeah, this is the point where we we all gloss over when Ian's talking. We're like, no, we haven't seen that one. <laughs> Can't really chime That's in. Why my top... and, he, and he sent me his list ahead of time. I I probably would have watched them just so <laughs> we could bounce ideas, but. This is why my explanations for movies are probably longer than yours, guys's. You really yes, got to yeah, sell no, it because we have no yeah, idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Ian, I know when I when I talked to you about uh, trying to get uh, Rotten Tomatoes ratings and stuff like that, that some of your stuff was not going to end up on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Is this yeah. one of the ones that is not on there? Correct. Okay. That means 100, 100. <laughs> that means no score right now. <laughs> I'm the critic. That's 100%. I'm also the audience, 100%. <laughs> well, okay. I am, yes, un unfortunately as well, very unfamiliar, but I am happy that uh, you found something that you enjoyed so much. Made us list. So it so sounds interesting, honestly. I'll probably Thank you. look for it. Check it out. Why not? Yeah, sadly, I got nothing to add for this one because I I don't know this one. So did you did you say that like this was going to be the first of a new series of things coming? Yes, it's the first of a trilogy telling the story of this uh, divine realm of the round table. Ah, Do the okay. other two appear on your list, or are they not released yet? Uh, not released yet. Okay, that would have been fun if my first three movies were all <laughs> the same franchise. <laughs> I I you know. It's and been I just two years, that that's enough time to get three things out. Like, that's, you know. And I just keep saying that title again and again. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the last words changed. <laughs> and you increasingly start to wonder, is this even a real thing? <laughs> is he making it up? I mean, that's a question we ask all the time when you're on, so. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Josh, you're number 10. Uh, okay, my... I definitely have maybe two on here, but definitely this one I will freely admit is not better than many of the movies that didn't make my cut at all. However, it uh, mentally and sort of emotionally holds a special place uh, again because of like the era of COVID. Um, the first time we got back to a movie experience whatsoever uh, after mid-March of 2020 was going to the drive-in in like August of that year. And we saw The Lodge, uh, a, a kind of horror thriller-ish psychological flick, um, coupled with a movie that really didn't go with it at all. But hey, you know, what the hell else was out at the time? They had to try to put things together. It's fine. But uh, what it was coupled with is my number 10, which made the list, uh, which is Palm Springs. Um, I, don't know if I know that one either. It it's a, it, a, it's a Andy movie. Samberg starring uh, Groundhog Day esque kind of story. Oh, that does sound familiar. Maybe you did tell me about this before. Uh, th I mean, it's without... uh, Kristen Milioti or whatever. 
her yes. name is from how i met your mother the mother yes oh, I believe okay. so and um yeah like the actress who's like the lead opposite him um if you've watched the netflix specials um i think they're just called what, like oh death to 2020 and death to 2021 mm. yeah, she's yeah. one of the actresses like playing satirical roles of real world people and whatnot um I mean, the basic premise uh, is he is a, a, a guest at a resort and one day starts waking up and repeating the same day. That's it. And, okay. and, and like other things, there's other context and other things happening, of, of, of course. Um, but it, it was honestly quite enjoyable at the time. Don't get me wrong. Um, but like I said, it, there's something about the place that it held and just kind of remembering like we had this almost like hiccup of time in in that first summer well before vaccination availability anything else we're like maybe we can do this for a month and then oh, for another six months after that no actually we can't <laughs> and so there was just that little hiccup in there that we you know tried to breathe some fresh air and um enjoyed it enough that it has stuck with me since then um i haven't got to rewatch it since that time but i would definitely recommend it uh, go look for it. It's it, it's a good time. It's it's not too heavy. It it's a quick like hour and a half type of thing. Um, but it, it, it's worth it. Uh, Mike, you said you watched this one. You've seen this one. I did. I did. I believe this was uh one of the ones. It may have been day and date with Hulu. Mm, oh, okay. Um, I, because I remember watching this on Hulu and being like, oh, I heard about this, but why is it on Hulu? And it was you know that 2020 when we were figuring out how movies were going to be released. It was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing it. And uh, I love this movie. This was tons of fun. I mean, think about all the stupid shit that you would expect Andy Samberg to get into in a Groundhog Day scenario. You get that. But it also did a lot to touch on mental health issues that people kind of struggle with in some ways. Okay. Um, which I wasn't expecting out of it. You know what I mean? But it, it, it used that opportunity of what he was going through um, for a lot of, like, self-reflection in a much more genuine way, I think, than Groundhog Day itself actually did. You know, Groundhog Day itself had that... It's still great, it, it but it had that very vanilla reflection on yourself that you got from movies during that time. Um, And th this one did a lot better job of it. Uh, th I, this was in consideration to actually make my list. It didn't make it, but it was in consideration. This was very, very good, very underrated, very underseen, I guess, underpromoted, um, for how good it was. Okay. So it didn't make honorable mentions either. Just not, didn't make the list at all. No, it, like it was there, but it was like, it, how many honorable mentions am I going to do? You know? It's... Yeah. Fair. Uh, Ian, I'm assuming this is one you haven't seen or heard of. I think this movie was a farce. I don't understand why it was made. I didn't. I didn't enjoy Andy Samberg. I didn't see it. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll go back to swing back around to me for number nine. My number nine. Uh, my number nine is one that I I wasn't sure was going to make my list, and then the more I was putting movies on my list, I was like, you know what? Yeah, that deserves to be on there. I think it it. Surprised me more or less basically because the movie existed, and that's uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League at number nine. Uh, Does this crime. count? Crime. 
I counted it. It was making. This... A, I seen it make a lot of people's list for for twenty. Okay, okay. I'm just. I would say you're, so, yeah. you're, you make the rules, so you get to decide if it counts. So <laughs> I mean, it, Justice League was released earlier, but Zack Snyder's Justice League was released. Shit, right. no, was it 2020 I... or 2021? Not remember what. I don't remember 21. what year it came out. 21? Okay. Yeah, it was last yeah, March. Yeah, it came out last year. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, I didn't even consider this one as on my list because I wasn't sure if it counted, so. Okay. Um. Yes, I'm putting it on there. I, I Justice League had its problems. Uh, Warner Brothers DC have their problems. It's stuff that they're still probably working on. I don't, still don't think they figured out what they need to do with these movies or, or where they're going with any of them. Um, And... Had they made Justice League the way Zack Snyder wanted, maybe that would have gave them a clearer direction on where these movies and this franchise and the DCEU and all that stuff was going to go. Uh, you know, the the production behind the Justice League we got that was theatrical was is so some of the behind the scenes stuff is just weird to read about and, and troubling and a movie of that size that gets that much problems, of course, it's not going to be great. So the fact that this became an internet rumor that, hey, Zack Snyder has enough to make his own movie. They shot a lot of this stuff that wouldn't involve a lot to get his version out and release it. Uh, I really thought it was an internet pipe dream, and I've said that for years. I didn't think this thing existed. And then it finally became, hey, this is going to happen. HBO is going to do it. They're going to put it on HBO Max to try to sell you to the service. That was enough to get me. I fucking signed up for HBO Max to watch <laughs> this damn movie. All fucking four hours of it, or however many chapters there were, or whatever. Um, I, yeah, I was still surprised that it was cohesive as, as it was. Uh, I didn't get bored, I don't feel like, for four hours. Um, I even went back and watched the original Justice League just to see what the differences were, what some of the comparisons were, if if I liked the other one better. I still think Zack Snyder's Justice League is the superior version of that movie. Um, I don't think Joss Whedon's Justice League is as terrible, I think, as people think. I think there are still some redeeming stuff there, but... Yeah, Snyder's Justice League definitely turned the corner. I think it's a lot better. I made me want to see more of what this guy would do. I don't know if we're actually going to get it. I think the whole, like, the Snyderverse movement online is... Now that's another internet pipe dream that I don't think we're going to get. I think Warner Brothers made their peace with this. They gave Zack the movie he should have made, and that's the end of it. Um, but if they make more, I'll, I will definitely check it out. But I think this is where Snyder's DC movies end, and I think it's a good way to go. I think it was very good. This was in my quasi-shortlist to think about and i admittedly found that i was having maybe one or two more comic book movies making my cut than i like i didn't want the entire thing to be jammed with it right um and to be honest like part of that is the last two years what are the what are the things that like for people interested in the things that we mainly talk about what brought us a lot of joy finally getting back to some of these big huge blockbuster chapter thing so it made sense what was dominating some of my selections yeah when it came down to justice league i thought you know i i should watch it again before i make a, a decision but it was all the things that you said so it, it it got bumped away um but it was definitely in in consideration of like the initial 25 that i was you know jumbling around yeah and whatnot uh, Ian, I'm assuming this made your list somewhere. You don't have to say where, but 
I'll, re I'll read my comments. The master himself, the Sin God, delivers his most epic work to date, single-handedly saving the DCCU with a master stroke in directing. Every single thing from the fake cut has been improved upon delivering us a cinematic titan. One has to wonder why studios continued to make superhero films when the final entry in great superhero films has already been released. Mike, you're why? fair. Why do they bother? <laughs> Uh, Mike, what do you think of Snyder's Justice League? I, mean, I don't have as bold of thoughts on it um, <laughs> as, as uh, we just heard. Not many but, people do. You know, I I, I would have pegged Ian to be more along the type of like you have to watch the like Snyder cut of the Snyder cut that is black and white and twice as long as the actual Snyder cut. It's only rumored to exist at this point. We don't know for sure yet. Um. But it might be out there. But there is the black and white cut that you can watch, and that's the only real cut that matters. Um, so you're not you're not a I, purist I, and not really a fan of it at all. Like, well, I'm, no, I'm, I, I'm, expect, I'm a I expected I, that's I, what we would hear from Zack Snyder's close personal friend. That's not my own personal take on it. Yeah, Ian. There's no quote from mm -hmm. Zack on the movie or anything like that. Like, did he give you? Did you tell him where it placed on your list. Audience? Uh, so, as we all know, Zack Snyder, my close personal friend. Um, when I asked for comment, his I got a response that said, please stop contacting this number. <laughs> New oh. phone, who dis? Yeah. Didn't know how to take that. Because <laughs> as we all know, we worked on a musical rock opera together. All right. I, it's probably one of those things. He's a busy guy. He has assistants and stuff that do that for him. And they, you know what? They make mistakes all the time. Don't take it personally. Just keep yeah, trying. You know, they, they, they probably had you filed in the same log as Joss Whedon, where... No, no, I'm saying like accidentally. Kidding. You I got you got accidentally like... put into that file. Where you're going with? This. I'm not. No, I'm not saying they did it on purpose. I'm saying accidentally. They it were was... trying. They were trying to get J. They they selected the, H I J. The I as well, you know, yeah. it, it's, it was the dot above the I and J. It just it got them. It happens. Why to the best they? Of us. Yeah, no, it it happens. All right. Anything um, else for for Justice League? I thought it was really good. Okay. Had I considered it, it actually might have made my list, but I'm not adjusting my list now. I've got notes and stuff. <laughs> We've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, I've gone too far. So, uh, All right, Mike, so let's move on to your number nine. My number nine, uh, and you'll start to see a trend maybe starting now for a short period of my list, but it is uh, also HBO Max brought it to us uh, earlier this year. Mortal Kombat. Um, I fucking love this movie. What they did with it, you know, coming off of, I guess, the last Mortal Kombat movie that was made was Annihilation, which was just so bad. Like, the original 95 Mortal Kombat was pretty good. That was fun. It was decent. You know, I mean, for the time, they didn't have the best, you know, CGI back then to work with. But come to this story, we finally get a focus on... Scorpion and Sub-Zero, which for many fans of the franchise, that's the story. Um, Liu Kang is cool, Kung Lao's cool and all that, but really the Sub-Zero and Scorpion story is one of the most fleshed out video game rivalries there's ever been. Maybe the most fleshed out that has ever existed. Um, and we start to get a good bit of that here. It's well done. Everything looks cool. The action is fun. It's good to follow. It's well choreographed, I guess. The action sequences, you know, it's it's gory, it's brutal, and it's funny. 
Um, you know, we're not supposed to spoil anything, but there's one part of it that references back to the video games that just had me cracking up, and I still, every time I see the scene, I laugh my ass off now. Um, yeah, the, the, I, you know, the, I want them to make more of these. There needs to be several sequels. I think they just greenlit number two, right? Two is yeah. happening. That was very recently, wasn't it? Yeah, within the last couple of days. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll pass it to you guys because there's, I mean, without spoiling anything, you need to watch this. It's out there on HBO Max, guys. It's Brian, did you ever watch this yet? I did get through this one. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, like Mike said, it is, it is, it is gory. So it's still, there's still parts that like, you know, for me, but, uh, I, I think maybe just cause it's, there's certain gore that I guess I can get around some of it like that plays comedically. I, I can usually deal with some of the ones that like this, I think I'm maybe just a little bit more desensitized to it. Cause I kind of expect it for the video game. E, So it's a little bit more maybe like cartoony violence. I don't know, but well, it's stuff you've seen before in the games. Right, right. So it, it all kind of, uh, I guess just works for me. It wasn't too bad. But yeah, I got through it. I I thought it was good. I It was definitely better maybe than I expected. I, I think I went in with low, with a low bar just because I didn't know how this was going to go. Um, But I'm, I'm with Mike. I want to see more. I, I think they did a good enough job that I think they, they deserve to tell more stories like this and this kind of tone and see flesh out some of the lore, because I think, I mean, there was some stuff, you know, of course now it's been a while since I watched this, so I'm struggling to think what kind of the hangups for me were. I don't remember if it was some of the story or the lore or some of the, the plot holes or something that was that was holding it back for me, but I feel like I'm, I viewed it more like a mediocre type of score for me, uh, but it's still good. I did I did still enjoy it. So, I mean, there, there is the rumors that the sequel that uh, is going to happen is The Rock is Shao Kahn. You know, he was just talking about this thing you you know he's doing and now they announced the sequels hey, i don't know could be it he, t- he talked about being involved with a video game and you're thinking it's mortal Kombat. i don't know rocket shout con be pretty cool <laughs> i mean i'm not saying no but uh ian did you see this one what do you think i was on the review of the, this podcast for this episode for this movie so I think you know the answer. Um, they made a movie that was not only very fun, but good. Who knew you could do that with a video game? It treated the source material with the right amount of seriousness to prevent eye rolls and let the action speak for itself. An exciting entry in the beginning of a new series of film. It was really good. Uh, a lot of great deaths and gory uh, finishers. And uh, it kept that lighthearted humor that we all know and love from Mortal Kombat post Ness. <laughs> Those are called fatalities. No, I think they're called finishers. <laughs> I think they say finish him. And then no. it's a fatality. Yeah. Or, that's, or a, that's a finisher. Finish her. Finish him. Gender. Finish her. <laughs> right, but, but then it's a fatality. No, you finish that. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, Josh, what did you think? Um, I am glad that others got more joy out of this than, than I did. Um, it, it's not that it wasn't entertaining as a whole product that was given to us i was really let down by the i I don't know if it's like the pacing of the story but like i i felt like what we got could have been half the movie and then there could have been another half of story given to us there i guess um what was presented the 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 cinematography the art design production the acting the, the the approach to it i appreciated all good there um 
just felt it could have been better. So if there's sequels coming, hopefully for my tastes, uh, there's some improvements. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I guess with a movie like Mortal Kombat and I guess another movie coming up soon on my list, I'm looking at them a little bit differently in terms of like I'm trying to look at what I enjoyed the most as opposed to what I feel like was a cinematic um, achievement or triumph in, yeah, in most of fair. my list. But I'm also trying to consider those things as well. Which is, I guess, why these things that I'll probably watch more than a lot of the movies at the top of my list. Just the rewatchable are, stuff. Right. Like, the, the this end of my list is much more rewatchable. Yeah. I think. Um, just to, you know, defend that horrible score I'm about to have. Uh, <laughs> because it's going to add up pretty quick. Oh, you looked at the stream and saw what the Rotten Tomatoes rating was. <laughs> Oh, I don't give a shit what Rotten okay. Tomatoes critics say. <laughs> I care about the audience score only. Uh, but yeah. Um. All right. So where are we at? So we're on Ian's number nine. Uh, my number nine is the Suicide Squad. What is this? <laughs> some kind of quasi sequel reboot? So it wasn't that <laughs> so, much higher than mine. <laughs> but on my list, it's you know it's in the correct place. On your list, it's in the wrong place. <laughs> And he's very upset that's, that's by that one, is. that one slot difference. <laughs> no, no, again, on my list, it's in the correct place. On Brian's list, it probably ranks higher than movies at its top. That's the issue. Okay. So for, um, for his standards, what, it's it's measured incorrectly. Correct. Um, <laughs> if you want to hear more of my thoughts about this, rewind, like, I don't know, 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. This is live, folks. It's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we did kind of cover it already, so is there anything else we want to talk about for Suicide Squad? Anything to add since we talked about it before? Nope. Uh, nothing else to add. Um, I will share um, our fifth typical compadre, Andy, is in the chat with us now, and um, he's uh, asking when are we going to uh, have his picks shared. Yeah, I figured I'd, I'd go through. He did send... Andy wasn't here. Hello, Andy. He's in the chat. <laughs> um Andy's our usually our fifth member for the podcast. He is away this weekend, so he couldn't make their our two fiftieth. Uh, he did get, give me a list. I was going to go through it at the end once we refresh ours, which I usually forget to do. So I got to remember to go back through once the list is done, rattle them all down. I will go through Andy's at that point. Yes. Wait. So you have to say the number ten I did. You have to say that whole title without messing up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. When so we you get hear there, what the other titles yes. are going to be too. Yes. <laughs> So I'm sure I'm going to butcher half of the names that you're you're throwing in there, Ian. Um, all right, Josh, you're number nine. Um, this is one that I just... Uh, so a little backstory. As we like scheduled the date for this and knew when we were going to aim for, um, I looked through some resources that we've been sharing to look at releases of the last two years. I made a list of, I shit you not, maybe like 35 things that I still hadn't seen. And up until last night, I got through like 28 of them in the last maybe three and a half weeks. (laughs) I've been dedicated. I've been using my time horribly, but also it's January in Pittsburgh. So what the hell else am I doing? (laughs) Um, So and this was one of them that I I had been looking forward to. It was a recent release. And thank God uh, it just made DVD uh, availability at Redbox last Tuesday. And we went and picked it up that day. Uh, so my number nine, which I really enjoyed, granted there might be some recency bias in here, but I still think it holds up and it will for a while. Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright. 
this is one I'm I'm ashamed I haven't seen yet, and I have every intention to get to at some point. I just have not got there yet. It's so I'm thinking, and uh, Mike, you you saw this, didn't you? Hmm. It's on my list. Oh, okay. Um, I I thought you had said you got there, but I, I couldn't remember. Um, so I think you and I had maybe talked about this somewhere about. So Brian, you had hedged about this you know, months in advance as like trailers were released and whatnot. You weren't sure what kind of story it was going to be and, and everything. Um, and so after seeing it, I, I think Mike might've mentioned something like this after he got there first, but um, I'd say there's maybe like a five to seven minute clip of things that you might be doing waffle fingers, giving, <laughs> okay. uh, given your predilection. But um other than that, I think the story was pretty cool, kind of original. Uh, the production design is gorgeous. Um, the acting is really is really good. I think uh, the, I, I mean, it's 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 on a Taylor Joy who, in the last couple of years, I think has you know burst onto a lot of people's radars. Uh, Queen's Gambit, Split, and Glass, um, you know, to name a few, and and then there's others. Um, I was expecting her to be like the big focal point of this and she's the one that you are caring about the most and, and whatnot. To my surprise, it's her counterpart. Like if you've seen any of the trailers, you kind of get the gist of what's happening here. It's like temporal displacement and whatnot. So it's her counterpart, um, who's an actress named uh, Tom Thomason. I'm going to say maybe Mackenzie, um, mm-hmm. um, who, who has also been in a couple of things. But um, she actually is the one who very much impressed me in this. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, she's the one that was in Jojo Rabbit, can... right? Wasn't she in Jojo yes. Rabbit? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and she was also in something else, which was one of my catch-up movies uh, that I saw, which was last year's M. Night Shyamalan uh, Old. movie, Old. Yeah, she's in that too. Um, maybe because I didn't have as much of a background on her and exposure yet. Um. You know, I didn't have as much of a benchmark, but uh, I was really impressed by her. Uh, there's not a whole lot else I think I can really, unfortunately, go into with, without hitting like spoilers. It's one of those movies where like the details, even the most minor ones, are what make it special and and kind of yeah. cool. So not a whole lot I can go on from there. But if you're a fan of Edgar Wright whatsoever, this is definitely different for him. Um, I don't really think he's done something like this before. I would think, but uh, check it out. It, it's really good. And I would say, you know, Thomas and McKenzie plays the central character in the film. That's why we're saying, like, she's the highlight here because she does play the main character. And I really hadn't seen her in anything except Jojo Rabbit before this. So being only the second time seeing her in a movie, very impressive. She was extremely good. Um... I think the thing that can't be understated is how much fun Edgar Wright has making this movie. Mm. He got to explore a lot of visual ideas that he had as a director in this film that he would not get to do with other movies. Um, I think I, I talked about it off podcast, off air, whatever you want to call it before. Um, it, you know, it's not really a spoiler. He does a lot of work with mirrors in this movie. There's a lot of amazing shots that are done through the work that he put in to visualize these. It's trippy. 
Like yeah. it's a head trip and it's engaging and this is not a movie to miss. It again, I think this one it's in the top half of my list. It falls into something that's not necessarily as rewatchable as some of the other Edgar Wright films that we're used to. I can't tell you how many times I've watched Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. It's a big number. I don't know how many times. Ian knows. He, he's he got two. <laughs> but that's actually something. For Ian to have watched something twice, that's actually impressive. Um, I think. Or was that your guess for him? You thought he watched it two times. Oh, okay. your guess for me. Okay. Way more than twice for Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Um, but it, it, a lot of Edgar Wright movies are very rewatchable because he puts in so many little details, uh, along the way for you to pick up on the next time you watch and the next time you watch. And I want to rewatch this movie in the same way because I know he did that here, but it's a little bit of a heavier film to rewatch, um, over and over again, but it is still... It is just a damn good movie from start to finish. It's well done. I can't find anything negative to say about it. Yeah, I love me some Edgar Wright. I got to get there. It's also, I I will try not to say this about every movie that we talk about, but um, we also watched the special features on this right afterward. The stuff that you see that you're, they did so much practical in-camera editing and shooting on this that stuff that you will be absolutely sure you'll say to yourself okay cgi green screens mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. there is so much that they did practically um that like watch the behind the scenes stuff it's really really cool and, and i guess that's part of why i say it's like it's so important to recognize what he did yeah like how impressive the work he did with mirrors and all this stuff was it's how much of it was actually practical makes it that much more impressive um. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot you could say. Also, don't miss Matt Smith's performance. He Agreed. absolutely killed it in this movie. Um, you know, they it, Thomas and McKenzie and Andy Taylor Joy are going to be the ones that draw the attention, but Matt Smith had one hell of a performance. Nice. All right. Uh, Ian, do you know anything about this one? Did you see this one? Want to see this one? Anything? Uh, this was on my list to watch before this, but um, instead of like Josh watched a twenty one movies in three weeks, twenty eight movies, whatever it was, I yeah. watched three. In three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't make the cut, but it it was on the list. I've heard uh, great things about it. One of my favorite people, um, Hideo Kojima, really enjoyed this film, so that was kind of what got me on to wanting to see it even more than it just being an Edgar Wright joint. Nice. Um, all right, anything Josh else? Josh knows who that is. Wait, what? I, I said Josh knows who that is, Hideo Kojima. <laughs> yes, Josh knows who Hideo Kojima is. Close personal friend of Guillermo del Toro. That's uh-huh. his claim to fame. <laughs> ah. That's the only claim to fame Kojima has. Gotcha. That's all you I'll need to know slide. about him. <laughs> uh, anything else to add for Last Night in Soho? Nope. Was it a, Did it take place only over one night? No. Was it the next day, and that's why it's called Last Night? At no. Several okay. no. different so times, The title's false. The title is false. Okay. I, no, no, I guess you could say, without spoiling anything, that the climax of the film perhaps takes place... No, not even that. It's just a wispy title. Okay. So we're it, half, it, yeah. it's half there. It's in Soho. That's all you get. Yeah, in. like, it. it's just wispy. 
It's it's makes you wonder. All right. I guess. So we'll go around to spin back around to I guess my number ten. Or sorry, no, no eight. I'm counting the wrong way. Eight. My number eight. <laughs> uh, all right. So my number eight is uh, No Time to Die. The the what fifth Daniel Craig James Bond? Right. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. So this one is uh, longer than I think I expected. It's close to three hours. Uh, I watched it twice. I watched it in the theater and then I I bought it and watched it at home just to see if it still held up. I think it does. Uh, I was afraid watching it a second time, knowing what happens, if I was going to feel bored. I don't feel like I did. Um, it, it's it's weird for for Craig's Bond because his his five movies definitely have a, like a definitive arc for that character, and this one definitely puts a like gives you an end cap for his his tenure as Bond. So like his five movies really kind of stand alone. Like you're so used to James Bond movies, just being a one-off. What well, kind of a one-off that you could just kind of pop in and watch. Oh, it's James Bond. Whoever's playing James Bond. I could just watch the movie. Craig's get to a point where like, you almost have to see the other ones before you see this one. And I think you'll appreciate this one you a lot more having seen the other ones. Yeah, you, you absolutely need to see the other ones first. Yeah. This is not Pierce Brosnan where there's no connective threads other than the same actor playing the same character that doesn't reference the last movie at all. Right. Um, I think Craig still does a great job as Bond. He's it's. I'm curious who they replace him with. You know, whenever we eventually get a new one, but uh, I think he did a great job uh, as an action movie. It's still pretty freaking good. The story I think held up pretty well. Um, everybody that showed up for the act, who? Uh, shit, I'm trying to remember who the director was. Was it Fukunawa? Right, Carrie uh, Carrie Fukunawa. Yeah. Um, I have the name here, Carrie Joji Fukunaga. Yeah. Um, he directed some action that's really freaking cool. Like, some of it they put in the trailer. So if you've seen the trailer, there's some stunts and action stuff that just looks really, really fucking cool. Um, so, yeah, they did a good job. I I highly recommend to anybody that has seen some James Bond, and, and especially the Craig ones, and hasn't seen this one, definitely definitely check it out. So I'm going to jump in here because this appears a lot higher on my list. Um, and... This is a movie, that it's really hard to talk about why it's so high on the list without it being spoilery. Um, so, to keep it simple, this is, my personal opinion, the single best James Bond film they have made yet. Wow, okay, high praise. Um, and I am a huge James Bond fan. Um, I own, you know, multiple physical copies of every kind, and it, the weird collectory shit like that with it it's it's one of my favorite things to watch because they're just fun because a lot of them were one-off for a long time um and i think this one you know in 10 years do i feel like this is still the best james bond i don't know we'll see you know it doesn't stand the test of time that way but i think it felt so good coming off of specter being such a awful movie um, Spectre was bad. Like everything else that they have, it's not great. Like, well, they went from Skyfall, which was top tier. Skyfall's amazing, and then Spectre happens, and you and you get hyped because it's Christoph Waltz, and it's like, oh man, what's he gonna do as a Bond villain? And then the movie sucked. And for me, sorry, I'll I'll be clear. For me, it sucked. Um, and you come back with No Time to Die, and this movie, it, it had great action, it had heart, it had fun. 
like Anna de Armas's character. That was one of the most fun characters that Bond movie has had in how long. I was sad that she was not in it more. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And surprised. I, mean, I felt like yeah. this, some of the marketing was put well, well, she's a hot more. name right now, coming off right. of Knives yeah, Out they're, and they're, Blade yeah. Runner and everything else that she's been in. Yeah, she she's easy to market in that sense. She, you know. Um, but they also didn't market, you know, Chloe. Uh, not Chloe. What's her name? Saya Ledoux, her her character's, I guess, presence in the film wasn't really played up in any of the trailers. Um, and you know, if you've watched the other Bonds, you know that her character is kind of important to the arc of Daniel Craig's Bond. So, like, not putting her in the trailers was a good choice, which is probably another reason that Anna was so heavily featured was to kind of rein back in expectations or spoilers or anything like that as much as they could. Um, but yeah, th this from the action sequences to everything about it. I, well, you're talking about I how Spectre, love this movie. like really isn't your favorite, but at this point you almost have to see Spectre before, like regardless whether it's a good or bad movie, you should see Spectre before seeing no time to die. Yes, you should see Spectre because there's important bits of story that are in Spectre that you need to know for No Time to Die. And that should be the only time you ever watch Spectre, <laughs> that one single time. Could you um, just read the wiki? I mean, I like, guess that's an option. I'd have to read the wiki to tell you if you could just read the wiki. I have not read it. It's also so, a viable alternative, yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, Josh, I'm, you saw No Time to Die, I'm assuming? Yeah, we did. Uh, we got out, uh, I think we saw this one in theaters. Yes, we did. And was it November? Well, it came out, I think, while we were on vacation. So that was like one of our catch-up movies toward, like, okay. around Halloween. Um, yeah, I. so as I have mentioned on the show over the last, uh, I don't know, at least year and a half or so, um, well, even before COVID, we had actually tried to start uh, like this dedicated James Bond complete collection oh, rewatch. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then COVID hit. You know, two years ago, and we're like, well, I guess we're getting through a lot of these now, <laughs> and uh, and we did. So uh, we finally finished all of it up sometime in 2020, I think, by getting back through Skyfall and rewatching Spectre for the first time since the only other time we saw it in theaters. It was not as unenjoyable as I remember it being from the first time. I think going directly, like literally a back to back rewatch, like maybe even doing the the you know Daniel Craig series do those over like two weeks right um do it in a short time um it goes a bit better and i think to, to mike it, it was a harder pill to swallow yes hitting that stepping stone getting to this point you got to go from skyfall hit that and then go to no time to die um th this was a good breath of fresh air um so i it, it after you make five movies of the same genre with the same principal actors you know, what else can you do? How can you still make it interesting? What else differently can you do? Blah, blah, blah. Um, sure. They found ways to do that. It was good. Um, uh, this didn't crack my my list. Um, but I th think it was given where that they given where they needed the story to ultimately go. For me, I think maybe they were constrained by certain choices. And had they not wanted to end up where they did, they might have made different choices that might have made it more compelling for me but overall just as a very entertaining cool 
additional, you know, entry into the spy espionage catalog definitely did well. Right. And it's almost to the point, too, I think, where with five of them, sort of like Spectre and like, well, I guess what Spectre and um, what the hell is the second one called? Uh, Quantum of Solace. Casino Royale. Quantum of Solace. Sorry. Uh, Those two, I think, are the lower points of the five movies Craig has been in. But at the same time, I think if they are watched in tandem with another movie, it makes them better. Like, I think if you watch Casino Royale, you should jump right into Quantum of Solace. It makes Quantum of Solace better. If you want to watch No Time to Die, I think you should watch Spectre and then immediately go to No Time to Die. I think that will make Spectre better. Skyfall is just good. Like, you can just watch that on its own. And I think it holds up. But the other two definitely help from the complementary movies around it. So I highly recommend that to any type of viewing order that anyone wants to do. That those would probably be the prefer if you have like five hours to watch, uh, what the hell, Spectre and um, No Time to Die back to back. It's a, it's a, it's a day, but I think it'd be yeah. worth it. Uh, Ian, did you see these? I have never seen a James Bond film. Okay, we'll have to work on that. Maybe none at all. Sometime. Just like Brian also knows, I've never seen a Mission Impossible. Oh, I did know that. Yes. I, so the, uh, the, the very first one I saw, I've said this before, the very first one I ever saw was Skyfall. And like I saw it in a theater because someone asked me to go finally to a Bond movie. I'm like, oh, I guess so. Sure. <laughs> so that was like 2012. And I hadn't seen anything you know, before that ever. It's a good first Bond movie to have seen. Like it's set the bar yeah. high. Yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, that's true. It's also a bad first Bond movie to see because then... <laughs> Especially yeah, doing there's that. There's a lot of watch. them that are way below Skyfall. So any anything, especially like pre Brosnan, holy crap! It does not like just from a movie making standpoint. Just in my opinion, just wow. does not age well. But that's neither uh, here nor there. I digress. I I, <laughs> I will ask you guys one question because we got to give the audience what they want. And I guess it doesn't like. I guess Ian's not really going to have much of an opinion, but he can throw his out there if he has one. Audience answer too. Next James Bond, where are we going? I mean, the That's rumors of Idris are out there. Yeah, there's getting like, kicked around. Talk, well, the, like he's kicking around, yeah. But I mean, who do you want to see? Is what I'm saying. Jason Momoa. <laughs> he's charismatic. He's funny, and he's big and strong. I don't think you need. And big he would and strong, never though. blend in. He would. He would. Eat. <laughs> he would be found out immediately. James Bond just wears suits everywhere. That doesn't blend into shit. Here's to be fair, James cool Bond guy does do a bit of a Kent glasses thing. Like, James, Jason Momoa looks like the ideal CEO. This, this bro you just want to hang <laughs> down with, you know? Uh, does he even, like, sneak into shit anymore that's like, oh, I'm blending in naturally into society. Here is my martini, sir. It looks uh, like Andy I, says Idris. What do you got? Yeah, I still like Idris. I think, I think I'd think i like to see them do something different with Idris. If they don't and stick more traditional, I, I do think uh, Tom Hiddleston could do it. I could see him okay. pulling so off yeah. James Ooh. Bond. Okay. I have my thought, but I'm waiting for Josh. Uh, be- beyond Idris, I, I, ever since I oh, heard Rudd. that idea, honestly, ever since <laughs> I heard Chad. that idea, I'm like, does it, like, why are we talking about any more? Like, he's perfect. He could just walk into it right now, camera ready, and just it's go. It's got to be the age, so, right? He's got to be getting that, up that's, there. That, that's what my issue sure. with Idris was, is why they might not cast him, is he's a bit old to start a franchise as Bond. Yeah, it'd be cool to see him do a movie or two, but how long are they gonna string him on as Bond at his age? I don't know. But I mean, do you need to do more than two with the same guy? I mean, they did one with George Lazenby. That's not a real person. Okay, <laughs> and I mean, they kept um, Craig on for 
five. for 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, it was five movies, but yeah, it yeah. was 15 years. So at, at the very least, a concession, Idris should be a Bond villain. My personal thought, because it, like ticking off a few of the boxes, pretty, pretty much just for me is British. Just so long as they're <laughs> British, I, I would consider them. Um, but I, I, I think it was actually Amy brought it up to me. Jamie Dornan, I think, is oh, I, I know who that is. Perfect, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, that guy. Okay, I'm thinking of somebody else. Wait, did you say his character name? Wait, he's, is he the yeah, main he... guy in Fifty Shades? Yes. Okay, I think I know what he looks like now. Is that that, that is Dorian Gray. You said I've Gray. never watched it. I know he was in it. His name's Dorian Gray. Okay, that's just weird. They casted James <laughs> Dorian as Dorian Gray. Oh, I see. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His name's Dornan. Not Dorian. Dornan. Dornan's worse. I heard Dornan. It, nonetheless, I I think he would be a great choice. But Idris, if they want to do it, I'm there to see it too. The other option that they nobody's talked about. Um, Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, taking roles from everybody it. else. Why not? Um, that I don't see them talking about a lot. That's an option is Lashana Lynch. Um, she is in No Time to Die. She is a part of MI6, and I would watch her character continue on taking up the role. Yeah, they could gender bend it. I'm female. She James was Bond. great. Yeah. it'd be a very movie. organic I transition watch too. Yeah. That's why I think it's it's there. It's an option. I would love it. But another thought that actually just occurred to me, and I don't know what's going on with him and uh, his other role that they've been tossing around. If he'll ever come back to it, but Henry Cavill, I think, would make a good Bond. I yeah. Think anyone that's seen Man from Uncle, he is fantastic in that movie. Uh, well, I I found out he was British. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, so there's I your box. Didn't. He when checks I was that box. Thinking for you. about all this stuff, it was like, oh, I didn't realize he was British. He doesn't. Yeah. He he pulls off. An American accent very well. Rahul Kohli. That's chat, chat, one, chat is a death, death Watch is suggesting Paul Rudd. <laughs> I'm there for that yes. if they want to do it. <laughs> yes, if that's like the next version of like how Austin Powers was to James Bond. Well, like some I want to see Felix. it completely serious with Rudd. I think that'd be great. He's, <laughs> he's oh, the sexiest man alive. Yeah, that's true. They did name him the sexiest man alive. That's People did. <laughs> People did. Yeah. Who else we got? Harry Styles, Raul. Yeah. I'd, I'd be. I don't. I want to see what Harry does in uh, the MCU. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see him act more first. Yeah, I don't. I Rahul seen Coley, with Harry Styles. I, I, I would watch Rahul Coley as James Bond. I think he could fucking pull it off. That would be awesome. Um, I had to double check if that was who that was. Uh, I guess yeah, the, the thing you would most pull. know Rahul Coley from would be. Uh, I what zombie? is that movie? It's a series, I Zombie, but there's a Netflix series, uh, The House on the Hill, or one yeah, of those he, he Netflix in, horror yeah, the, series. Uh, the Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, yes, which was basically the, the, the Turning of the Screw, um, was yeah. the adaptation. And then he was in the follow-up, uh, Midnight Mass. That's yes. the one I was thinking. Of. Yeah, Midnight Mass. I couldn't get that name. Um, yeah, good pull. He would be very interesting. I have not seen anybody else bring him up, but I like that idea i see him in people's fan casting for uh reed richards and uh i watch that other stuff too i read richards like the that one that well. comes, comes to mind so he is also i did not realize this he is the vote he is the voice of scarecrow on the hbo max uh harley quinn animated show 
mm-hmm. and that is awesome because that show's amazing. Nice. That's uh, anything else for No Time to Die? Or we'll go to Mike's number eight. No oh, shit, I'm next. Yeah, you are up. <laughs> I, I felt like because I talked about a lot about that one, I was confused. All right, well. All right, so what's your number eight? Spin to you. Number eight coming in. This is, you know, probably guaranteed to only be on my list. Um, I know I'm one of the only genuine Nicolas Cage lovers in the group. Pig. 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 <laughs> it is not pig. If, if you're going to go with what I think you are. Good. Go ahead. Go ahead. We are going with what you think I'm going to go with because, uh-huh. and it, the, you know, there's a little bit of a video game theme going on with the back half of my top ten here. Uh, playing the janitor in Willy's Wonderland is Nicolas Cage. Willy's Wonderland is this amazingly fun, stupid movie. Um, and it is... If you don't know, there's a loose connection with it to a video game called Five Nights at Freddy's, where the animatronic demon Chuck E. Cheese things come to life at night and murder people. Um, That is basically the premise of this movie, is that the janitor, uh, which is all he is known as, because he does not speak a single word in this film. No, he And not. he still manages to Nick Cage it up, if you will, without saying a word. Um, yeah, it's so fun. I love this fucking movie. I could watch this movie once a week. It's short. It's, it's dumb. It's violent. It's it, hilarious. And the violence is hilarious, too, because it's like he's tearing apart these things and there's oil spilling out all over him, not blood. Because it's an animatronic. It's And why is there oil? There probably wouldn't be. Like, it would just have some little bits of grease. But it's still hilarious. Um, It is, I guess, a guilty pleasure kind of movie. He comes in. His car breaks down. And these townspeople basic, that are, like, I guess, under the oppression of these things trick him into cleaning up Willy's Wonderland so that it can reopen someday. And very quietly, without saying a word, just throughout the night, he starts killing murder bots that are out trying to kill other, you know, local teens that happen to end up in the place that night without spoiling anything, you know. They end up in the place and they're they're dying to these things and he's just it's It's just a ton of fucking fun. It's um, the kind of movie you would have seen at 1 a.m. on USA in 1995. It's made better than that. Made better. But, I mean, that's it's, and, it's the modern version of that. I watched this like a week ago. <laughs> and, and, and they have actually talked. They're probably going to continue on the janitor as a character in another film. Oh, God. Be- because <laughs> well, I mean, he needs money. Well, no, it, it was actually hilarious and fun. Like, the dude shows up out of nowhere in, it's, the guy drinks a bunch of soda, plays pinball, and kills fucking murder bots. How it's more Nick life. Cage can something be? This just reminds me of the movie about, like, the homeless guy that goes on, like, a killing spree, killing all the bad dry, the bad drug users in the town. You talking about like, Hobo with called, a like, shotgun? Hobo. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
was like, it's if you haven't watched it, it's ninety minutes of your life. Willie's Wonderland is aces. Uh, Andy said aces. it in chat. I was going to say that too. Spoiler alert: it made Andy's list higher than number eight. <laughs> Andy has good taste. I like it. <laughs> Uh, Josh, you ended up seeing this too. What'd you think? Um, I am happy Mike enjoyed it so much. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's the most scathing review Josh has ever given. I I am. Genuinely, I am happy. He said that about the anime movie that you listed that he hadn't seen. (laughs) And he has seen this one and he's saying it about it. Yeah, that's how scathing it is. (laughs) Uh, Ian, did you yeah. see this one or no? No. Okay. Just checking. Just checking. I have not seen it either, so I I can't chime into this one. It, it if you like Five Nights at Freddy's, it's a good cathartic watch. So wait, you don't like Fortnite because it's for kids, but Five Nights at Freddy's is okay. I don't really like the game that much, okay. but the but this movie I I did enjoy. The game was okay, okay, but Five Nights at Freddy's is also a lot more complex than Fortnite. So. I, have you ever tried to build in Fortnite? I think not. <laughs> Check I mean, me. Yeah, if I want to play as Peppa Pig shooting Spider-Man, I'll go play Fortnite. Is Peppa Pig in Fortnite now? Probably. I don't know. I'll buy that skin. <laughs> <laughs> Just Ladies and in. gentlemen, the Fortnite audience. <laughs> you can teabag as Peppa Pig. <laughs> You're fucking up if you don't think that's awesome. <laughs> Uh shit. Uh, all right, Ian, we'll move on to your number eight. Goblin Slayer, Goblin's Crown. Director Takaharu Uzaki reprises his role from the TV anime. Noble Fencer has disappeared after she left of her group to slay goblins. Goblin Slayer and his party head up to the snowy mountains in the north after receiving the request from the sword maiden herself. A small village gets attacked and they encounter a mysterious chapel. And something about how these goblins are acting bothers the Goblin Slayer. We find out these goblins are not run by some ordinary hob. Nay, it is the Goblin Paladin that leads. In some of the most action-packed and heart-rending moments from the series, we find out if Goblin Slayer can slay the king. This was a uh, continuation of the anime Goblin Slayer. It was a originally a light novel that I've read that is about a man whose entire village is killed by goblins. He becomes a hero, an adventurer that only takes on quests to exterminate goblins because you have to kill all the goblins. So we had the TV anime originally, and then this movie follow-up that covers one full novel of the book, which is them going on this quest to free Noble Fencer from doom and terror. And uh, it's really well put together. It's beautifully drawn. Like I said, they brought back the same director to bring this on. It's just 90 minutes of action-packed we gooey geeky goodness. Uh, That's how you say it, Brian. Fair. I, there was a pause for our reaction to him saying that there <laughs> that I was not prepared for. Uh, I tried looking this up on Rotten Tomatoes. This one is this another one that's not on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> I think only one of these is. I'll let you know when we get there. <laughs> he already said it. I, I have squad. actually seen like a a screen or like a the cover art for this. I like I recognize the name Goblin Slayer. Like I've. I have seen cover art for this one. That is maybe as close as I'm going to come to some of these. What was the title again? Goblin Slayer, Goblin Crown? Goblin's Crown. Goblin's Crown. And, okay. And there's a dashes in between, like before and after Goblins, 
and after Crown. That seems overly specific. Yeah. It's how it's on the website. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if you're looking for it, you got to find it. You got to know how it's done. Very true. I have not seen this one. Um, so whatever Ian has to say about it, I'm, I'm going to speak for Brian since he's doing stuff. He has not seen it either. <laughs> I have not seen it either, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you have anything else for it, Ian, you can have at uh, it. It's uh, pretty bloody. They do a lot of intrigue. That he is With his normal adventuring party, uh, the priestess. The archer, the elf archer, of course, dwarf, uh, dwarf, uh, dwarf shaman, and lizard, lizard man, lizard man. That's his name. All the every character name is just your race and your class. Unless you're <laughs> oh, Asian, nice. Then it's just your class. Because it's literally a D and D. Like the over biographical story is that the gods literally are playing D and D and they roll the die. But goblin slayers, the only character. The gods don't rule for his completely in control of his own actions. It's a fun little meta story on top of the whole thing. You should have started with that. Now I'm in and I actually want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I actually went to a convention in December and it was a panel literally called, what do you do to goblins? And the answer every time was kill all the goblins. It's very fun. There's also a real drunk guy in there. <laughs> put his mask on. <laughs> that wasn't as fun. Mm-hmm. Did you get kicked out? <laughs> They came in several times to remind him mm. until he finally left it on. That's good. That's good. Then they let him know he'd be banned if he did it again. Did they tell him he was going to be one of the goblins and they were going to kill him? No, that guy didn't have the control. That he <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Because, you know, he's giving a panel at an anime convention. <laughs> yeah, he, I assume people giving a panel at an anime convention don't have a lot of... Um... Some of them do, like Samurai Dan, if you remember that. that <laughs> oh, Samurai yeah, Dan, how's he doing these days? <laughs> Still alive. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good to know. Glad he's out there kicking. I assume. No, he's uh uses a sword. <laughs> oh, that's true. He's not karate Dan. He's samurai yeah. Dan. Come on, get it together. Side my bad. My bad. All right, we're gonna go on to Josh's number eight. Josh, what's your number eight? Wait, Josh never said if he saw it. I'm assuming he did. <laughs> uh no. This isn't one of the twenty one? This this was not that I told you there was like seven or eight I didn't get to. You're right. They're all on my list somehow. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, I had to prioritize. Um, so this is the sort of second, uh, and probably the last, I guess, of the uh, COVID-era uh, sentimental connotation movies. This was the last thing I saw in theaters before shutdown. It was, I saw it on March 8th, 2020. And honestly... There's a chance this bloodshot. is Bloodshot. <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> We're well, waiting for the bloodshot drop. I'm sorry. It's the last movie I saw in theaters, Josh, before COVID was Cats. <laughs> oh, wow, you should keep that. It to was yourself. such a good movie. It was a great movie. It's, it's on his list. list. <laughs> no, December 2019. Oh, uh, um, okay. That's Fair. a shame. Otherwise, it'd be in top three. I guarantee it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I think objectively, I think had we actually gotten to do a, a best of 2020 straight uh, on its own, this would have made the list anyway. Um, this is The Invisible Man. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the basically remake, uh, uh, yet again, of you know Universal Monsters classic story um, updated for modern sensibilities, but uh, done in a really creative way. Um, your director, your, your lead uh, creative on this is Lee 1L. Uh, if you don't know that name, um, if you know the Saw franchise whatsoever, 
he, along with like James Wan and one other, like they are responsible for all of that. He played Adam in Saw, the other dude. Spoilers, connected uh, by the ankle in in the bathroom. Um, that's him. As well. But uh, yeah, so he goes on. Then you know, a couple years later, while Saw is still finishing, he creates the Insidious franchise as well. He directed uh, Insidious three. Even um, I think he's wicked talented. Um, I. I I really like this dude. Um, I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, from what I've heard for a while, uh, he might be involved in a remake of Escape from New York uh, as a director. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, Invisible Man, I thought it was just honestly great. Like, there's surprisingly very few characters in it. and um, Yeah, it's a short cast. Yeah. Um, it's a little long. It, it clocks in around two hours. But it carries very quickly, very smoothly. Um, Elizabeth Moss freaking knocks it out of the park. Um, I think this got probably pushed to the side and forgotten very quickly because it released literally like a week or two before national lockdown went into effect. And it, it didn't get, you know, the the time in theaters that it otherwise would have. And then, you know, movies didn't really matter for a while. They weren't important. Um, and so it didn't get talked about in the follow up and all that. Um but it was an amazing sort of, you know, updated reimagining of it and uh, the the way that they choose their hook of how it all works uh, was really, really cool. Um, not much else. Again, I can say, unfortunately, because it kind of gives certain things away. So check out The Invisible Man if you and, and this is not and Brian, you would like this. It's a little jump okay. scary at times. Oh, no, it's not gory, but. It's it's good. It's not gory. It's, it's suspense. Yeah. It's suspense and thriller ish. It's not even like jump scare horror per se. Okay. Um. It's it's good. Look it up. I, I keep that in mind. I'm assuming Brian has not watched it. I have not watched it. No. Ian, have you? Oh, watched? Oh, well, Mike's already on. Um, I of course have not seen. <laughs> okay. So I, I was, it was just one assuming... of my seven or eight. I, I was assuming you guys uh, had not seen it, so I was going to hop in with my opinion about. it. Just cause, um, invisible. <laughs> now Andy and Chat says it's invisible gore. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I can watch it. <laughs> I I actually think there is like invisible gore. Like there is like, if I remember correctly, there's something that like happens and there's a blood splatter and but you don't actually see it because he's invisible. Oh, okay. It, it works. Um, yeah, it works. It's cool. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember the the effects being very cool. Um, Elizabeth Moss, as you said, she did a great job in this movie. Um, I don't remember as many details about it because this may have been like the first movie that I watched that was like pay to watch at home where this was like your last movie in the theater. I think this mm -hmm. might've been my first one out of the theater. Um, so it is a while ago since I watched it, but I remember thinking, like, damn, that was really good. It wasn't as scary as I hoped, but it was really good. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is one of those, like, awkward things where it's, like, good movie, but not what I expected. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And James Wan, the guy really doesn't miss much, although Malignant was okay. Good. Well, I think, let me take a look. He might have acted as a, a producer on this because I know him and Lee one l do a lot together, but um, producer, no, he did not. 
no. So this this was, I mean, among other just Lee producers just... and whatnot. Yeah, it was. You know, there was a. Oh, actually, no. Lee is also credited solely. You know, it's it's an adaptation from an H.G. Wells novel, but um, yeah, uh, Lee is also credited as the sole story and uh, screenwriter. Oh wow, so they pr- worked so much, much together. I assume that I just assume James Wan is attached to. In like I assume way, right? they go together, you yeah. know. But I guess not. So there you have it. Uh, all right. Anything else for Invisible Man? Nope. All right. We're going to loop back around. Uh, my turn. Uh, my number seven. Uh, my number seven is probably another movie that I, I didn't expect to get. And once I figured out it was happening, it was like, yep, sign me up. I'm in. Uh, and also it was a movie I kind of forgot came out at the beginning of 2020. And that's Bad Boys for Life. We got yeah. Bad Boys fucking three. Like, I am so excited this movie exists. Uh, it seems to set it up for a fourth, so I haven't heard anything about them moving forward with a fourth one yet. So I don't know if just schedules are busy. Um, I feel like Martin Lawrence has to be free, but I don't know what Will Smith's schedule's like. <laughs> uh, the first of the Bad Boys series that is not directed by Michael Bay. Um, I'm going to butcher these guys' names. This was uh, Aldiel Ariba, uh, Arby, uh, and then Belil Fala. I think if I got that right, you went from you went from a Reba to like RB. RB, I don't know how it's said, but either way, the, those are the director duo, those two guys. They they mimicked Michael Bay's spot style to the point where if you didn't think it, if you didn't know it wasn't directed by Michael Bay, I think you'd think it was directed by Michael Bay. Uh, Is that a good thing? I think for Bad Boys, yes, I think Bad Boys fits that style. So you know all the all the camera movements, the way they direct action, all of that stuff is excellent. Um, this had more character stuff than I expected for a Bad Boys movie, um, which is maybe why they got Will Smith to come back for it. They actually gave him some stuff to do, like character-driven stuff. Uh, but yeah, I I love this movie. I think this is one of the most rewatchable of the Bad Boys, I guess, trilogy now. Um, the other ones I think are, are, like, the first one's very funny, and I think there's a lot of stuff there for the humor, maybe not as much the action. Second one is just a straight-up action movie. Michael Bay movie. Yeah. Um, this one definitely threads the line between both of them. I think it's funny. I think it's action packed. I think both of them work very well. Uh, if you like the, I mean, Martin Lawrence and, and Will Smith together are what drives the movie. Like you just want to see the two of them hang out and interact and that's the fun stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to more. Hopefully they make more of these movies. Uh, I love it. I love this one. It's in my number seven. I personally hope someday yes. we get to see Will Smith and Martin Lawrence Standing in a doorway together, talking to their granddaughter's date, as opposed to just the daughter's date. <laughs> that you know, let's get a granddaughter or maybe a great granddaughter someday. You know, get them in walkers out there when they're ninety. I don't care. That scene alone will sell a bad boys movie to me. Didn't happen in Bad Boys for Life. That's a shame. Yeah. Um. But the two of them together are fantastic. Um, this one I didn't like as much as I like the other bad boys though. It's fair. Uh, I like the other ones better. Um, was number two, the one with the prolonged idiotic rat sex bit. Yes. Yeah. It's Michael okay. Bay humor at its finest. <laughs> I think yeah, I like this better than that one. I mean, all right. That, that's a good reason. <laughs> if you're going to pull a reason, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, like it was fun. It was a you know very much what I would have expected out of this movie. 
you know what you're getting with a Bad Boys movie. And it's... It's not bad. It, like, to me, they're not bad. They're not great. They're fun. And that's good I think, enough. Like, Michael, what you were talking about earlier, like, maybe not objectively good movies, but just ones that are fun for you to rewatch. Like, this is this is that movie for me. This is the one I would just throw on to rewatch it because it's fun for me. Exactly. You can be doing two other different things, multitasking, and then you pick up a scene from this that you actually like. And it's like, oh, I gotta, all right, let me put everything else down and watch this for a bit. Right. That kind of movie, like, I like that about it. For sure, because it's not, you don't have to pay attention to get what's going on. And that, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds like Could, a good thing. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying, like, it, what's going on is not so consequential. Because, like you're saying, it's a fun, rewatchable movie. Yeah. And for me, that's, it's important that... You don't have to pay attention during it. Yeah, you, well, <laughs> you don't have to remember all the little details. I mean, some movies okay. require you to remember, like, the minute, like, why, what's the character's motivation and all that. I don't need that shit in Bad Boys. It doesn't <laughs> Is matter. the motivation to be Bad Boys? Exactly. <laughs> what you gonna do? What you gonna do? When they come for you. Exactly. All right, finally. Somebody <laughs> had to, that like, up. <laughs> if we're gonna start this, we have to finish it. Uh, well, but I, yeah, no, it, it, it's fun. Well, it's I was... Uh, talking through my list uh just like late this afternoon like 4 30 and i was asking sarah for some of her input she similar to what we did she like pulls up a website she's look, looking at releases what she watched throughout the two years and whatnot and uh brian she gets to a point i think she was going backwards in time so it was towards the end so she gets almost to january 2020 and she says oh is brian gonna have bad boys for life <laughs> so I'm, I'm texting her represented right, sarah, yes. right now to let her know <laughs> You are predictable, is what he's. It's fine. It, I I like what consistent. I like, man. Like <laughs> you're consistent. It's true. Like it's it's a good thing. If you guys haven't pegged my one and two movies right now. You guys don't know me very well. <laughs> I know number one, number Pig. two. I think is up in the air, but I have a strong suspicion. We'll see where we end up. Black Widow. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's that. Uh, Ian, I'm assuming you did. Not, do have you seen any Bad Boys movies? No, but I do have one note. Um, if they are planning a fourth one, why wasn't that one called Bad Boys Four? That's Life? the only. That's my only strike against this movie. Why? Why would you not leave the four as the, the number four for the fourth movie? Like, yeah, that's just dumb. Because they it's also like Fast that's and a Michael Furious Bay didn't, move. Like they did Fast Five. They did all these things with numbers after that, but they didn't do Fast and Furious. Like <laughs> they left it out. They like they didn't do it. They could have done it. They yeah, didn't somebody do it dropped either. the ball like, there. I don't. I will never agree. Is is this the one that we talked about also that they actually were using the number four in like the title mm -hmm. marketing as well? Like they were ta they were replacing the word. I, didn't, with I don't think I ever saw that. No. Okay. Maybe I just assumed that they would make you know hit that pothole also. Or like if it's Bad Boys for Life, that's the the E in life should be a three. Like if you want to put the number in there, that's yeah, the way to do it go. for this title. And the I should be a Y. <laughs> I don't know. I'd hate I'd hate it already. No, that's I already hate that. Who made this movie? Like we got a tweet somebody they need to get in contact with brian and get some notes oh, fan, <laughs> it's because of fan four stick he's right it's a little bit of the fan four stick yeah that's ugh. yeah um all right mike we'll go to your number seven. Oh, my number seven is a wonderful tale um i'm, I'm gonna set the frame for you here big dumb idiotic pointless Waste of space. Radiation-sucking lizard. Decides he's gonna bully a baby ape. 
Oh, here we go. <laughs> and we end up with Godzilla versus Kong. And uh, that baby ape allows the, uh, I guess, you know, the little weird snack to take its time and have a nice, you know, nice day. Uh, just to be waiting for the sequel. Um, where the actual adult ape just eats uh, the lizard and uh, poops it out. Later. I guess it's fitting that it's 250 and we're just going to rehash this whole argument all <laughs> over again. <laughs> like... <laughs> no, it's Godzilla vs. Kong. Godzilla vs. Kong was a lot of fun. Um, it's everything I wanted it to be. Godzilla and Kong just beating the shit out of each other a bunch of times. Um it doesn't do a whole lot um, to really try to explain why it doesn't get bogged down in any of that. It's exactly what you would expect. Um, I think Ian and I have talked many times before about Shin Godzilla actually being a quality film at the same time as being a Godzilla film. This movie doesn't try to do that. It just tries to give you a reason and an arena for them to fight in. It does that. It does it well. And I guess King Kong learned sign language, and that's cool. Uh, but it's not... I don't know. Like, I, I, There's a lot I could say, but we've said it all before, you know? Like, it's... Like you said, we we've had this argument so many times. I'm not I'm not gonna rehash it. I'm 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 very secure in Godzilla's baby fight capabilities <laughs> uh, against an adult Godzilla. I'm I'm fine with it. So, but yeah, it it was fun. It was good. It was uh, yeah. I mean, Ian, do you have a rebuttal? I was waiting uh, for it. I was, you know. was 90 minutes of Godzilla kicking um, King Kong's ass up and down the sidewalk. Baby. The ape, the ape in this film is such a terrible fighter. He gets captured by humans, Baby. which are the most inconsequential creatures in a giant monster movie. If they're not in a robot, they are useless, and yet they capture this great ape that gets his ass kicked by a much stronger and superior lizard. Luckily, this film didn't ruin itself by ever showing any hints that King Kong could win a fight against Godzilla because it would be impossible. We are talking about an apex predator raised from the nuclear fallout in Fukushima. It is the greatest being to ever be on this earth. We are talking about the Supreme One himself, Godzilla. It is in the goddamn name. This movie did not make my list because it was even embarrassing to think it was a fight. <laughs> Putting verses in the title implied <laughs> King Kong had a chance, and that was equivocally not true. This was a ape getting its ass kicked back to the Pregazoa period. I could honestly feel and hear the boredom in this argument's length with Ian at this point. <laughs> Just resigned. Uh, Josh, what do you think it's of the not movie? on my list, so I didn't prepare. <laughs> uh, so this initially, uh, until this moment, until th this exchange, uh, this movie was in my disappointments column. Uh, but I will admit that I will move it to my need to rewatch to form a better opinion about column. Um, I looked up our episode review on this from last spring. Uh, it's episode 221. Um, all my thoughts about it are in there. Um, it hasn't changed yet. The things that are fun about the movie are fun, but there's so much in it that 
takes away from the fun for me. <laughs> Which is any time a human speaks, including the podcaster, <laughs> Mostly. And those fucking kids that traveled the world in like sixty whoa, seconds. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Listen, Fire Fist and Eleven <laughs> really put on a good show a- there, along with uh, uh, Fastus. Yeah, that's true. He's Festus. <laughs> oh shit, that's yeah. right. Festus, Fire Fist, and Eleven. They should have won this fight themselves. Let's be honest. Like, if we're being real about this, so they should have just ended I'll, it. I'll, I'll boil that down to, like, a few sentences quickly. My position on it was just, I, I never took the opinion on any of these modern monster movies that all the human stuff is boring and needless and take it all out. That's not necessarily it. It's the people stuff that they chose to write and put in this one that was needless and boring and pointless. Well, it's like you like, can tell that they just want the movie to focus on the monsters, but there's no, they don't have a good narrative way to get you to just follow along with the monsters. So they have to have exposition and have you following a group of humans to go where the story needs to go to just lead the audience there. And but you can do it very well to Josh's point, like Pacific Rim did. I yes, yeah, that's but even I would even say even the first Godzilla, the 2014 or was that 2014 yeah. or 2016, yeah. 2014. Yeah. Um, that one did it a lot better than any of the other ones after that. Like it did it better than I think King of Monsters. It did it better than Skull Island. It did it better than Godzilla versus Kong. I think that first one ha- handled the human element well. Well, and, and I think to what I said, um, you know, these are fun movies. I can rewatch Godzilla versus Kong, and I'm giving a lot of leeway to the cinematic mistakes that movies like this make. <laughs> Which are vast. They are very vast. Especially when we know that they are not necessary. If you want to watch a quality story told around the Godzilla frame. As I said earlier, watch Shin Godzilla. The special effects in it are nowhere near what you're going to get out of this movie. But the story is a hundred times better. So, do with that what you will. But Shin Godzilla wasn't made in the last two years, so it's not on my list. This movie is. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think if they if they somehow, it's some, maybe it's something I gotta look up on YouTube. Like, if they supercut just all the, the monster fighting stuff, like monster fighting in Godzilla, monster fighting in King of Monsters, monster fighting in Skull Island, monster fighting in Godzilla vs. Kong, I am for that. I will watch that movie. But I do get bored with some of the the human-y exposition, let's move the plot forward stuff that happens in those movies. And like Josh said, I think that's that distracts me from these movies. I I, I even King of Monsters and Skull Island, like all those other ones, I just kind of wanted to go in and see an hour and a half of just monsters beating the crap out of each other, and you don't get that much. And that's when I start to get bored. I think I I, I just now I want somebody to make like a completely re-edited version. Of this movie, where we get every Millie Bobby Brown moment taken out and replaced with Eleven, and something that Eleven did and said, like just clip, pull it out, cut it out, do the same thing for Fire Fist and for um, Fastest Brian Fastest. Tyree Henry. Yeah. I think that's his name, right? I don't. I remember the Fire Fist kid's name, Little New Zealand. Kid. I don't remember yeah. his at real Shark name. Boy. <laughs> Just just pull them out and, you know, it, it, just have fun with it and make a fire fist cut. And that's what we'll call it. Could happen. Could happen. It might actually end up being better thematically <laughs> and all that. But I'm um, shitting you know, on I a think... movie on my own list. I, I <laughs> do that. 
you know, I think we had you chime in for the for the Godzilla versus Kong fight. What did you think of the movie? I I enjoyed it, um, especially at the time. It was that hey, maybe we're going back to theaters. COVID's over, party type of movie. I didn't <laughs> yeah. see it in theaters. I stayed at home and watched it on HBO Max because COVID was not over. But, Same. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> That's, that's not a that's, spoiler that's at this the, point. That's the present. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, look outside. It's There's COVID raining down from the sky. <laughs> is that and what that I, is? I thought it was snow. Like, it's COVID I snow. think we've, we've mentioned it a lot, I but the human parts are not good. Like, you can do mm. humans well in these monster movies. They're awful. There's these kids trapezing around like it's a fucking Goosebumps film, <laughs> and I don't need that. Um, give me the fucking monsters brawling it out. Those obviously are the best parts of this film. Um, the story was inconsequential. They set it up beautifully at one point. It's king versus king, or really god versus king. One came out on top, and we got Didn't. that set up because that's all you had to say. And like they dwelled back into from the original Godzilla film, the hollow earth theory that no one remembered or cared about, <laughs> or got why that was important in any way to the story. Or God, in any sense, wait, so King Kong was born underneath the earth, but then ended up on Skull Island. But to take him back beneath the earth, we took him to like South America instead of through Skull Island, where there obviously had to be a hole for him to end up there in the first place. Like, just what, like, we're just making shit up as they went, because like we filmed the scenes, we'll fill the dialogue in later. Don't forget yeah, the hypertube from Pensacola to uh, Hong Kong. Well, this takes place in a future where Elon Musk gets all that kind of control. <laughs> oh, that, and, and that's what he does. He builds maglev tunnels. The Tesla was logos on all of that stuff. You just didn't that was see just it. a large Tesla. Yeah, that was the Model T, the Tesla train. <laughs> oh man! But it was it was worth watching. It fell off my list because I watched too much anime for it to stay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a good reason. Well, with that segue, we'll move on to your number seventy. And what do you got? Um, what was my last one? Goblin Slayer, right? <laughs> yes, yep. correct. So, number seven, of course, is Zack Snyder's Justice League Forever and Always in Our Hearts. <laughs> uh, for this one, rewind, I think, 45 minutes for my thoughts. Wait, oh, yeah, yeah, because we did talk about that early. Yes, that was on my yeah. list. And then we did, like, a 12-minute diatribe into James Bond, I think, at some point. <laughs> I think someone started reviewing Skyfall. Well, there was there was definitely some Skyfall talk, yes. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, Zack Snyder's vision being brought to everyone. I thought it was a really great moment at um, the DC fandom when he kind of got to really announce it and just talk with people about it. It seems to be a real passion project for him and the whole major, you know, the main cast of that all seem to really love him. And it's, you know, awful why he had to step away in the first place. Obviously a great tragedy. But it was really nice to, I mean, just let this finally happen. And I know this will upset Brian because this is just another one of the whole. So we fixed Star Wars by complaining online. We got the Snyder Cup by complaining online. We fixed Ghostbusters maybe by complaining online. <laughs> What's next? Yeah, the internet trolls that seem like they're winning all these battles are really starting to get to me. Even if I want some of them to win. Like, just the fact yeah. that they're getting their way and... People have found it out that if happening. you just scream loud, loud, loud enough online, stuff happens. This is not I, how the world should work. I even forgot the best one. They fixed Sonic. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Damn it. See, for every bad one, there's one I can say, well, this one worked. So I don't know. I don't know whether to love it or hate it. 
So yeah, that's I guess my thoughts on the Justice League. I'm really excited for Zach that he got to do it. Um, I didn't get the, uh, spoilers. I guess it's not on my list because I didn't see it. I didn't see Army of the Dead yet, but really? I'm always excited to see what Zach does next. I didn't have Netflix for a long time. Oh man, okay, yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it. I think. I I me and Zach called me and we we, we read through the script together. <laughs> yeah, he, he needs feedback. We did it. We did a table read. Right. <laughs> you got to workshop that. Uh, all right, since we already talked about Justice League, Josh, we'll go to your number seven. Uh, this, well, speaking of th- Netflix and things, uh, this was a straight to Netflix made from them, whatever they acquired rights, however it happened. Uh, I think this came out in like earlier in 2020 than I realized, and I just checked my watch date. I didn't actually watch it till last March, so I think it was out for almost a year before I got to it. Uh, the Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, I forgot uh, about that movie. Written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, obviously based on real events. Um, Sorkin is just, he's he's got some, his director chops improved on this from Molly's Game. Um, but it's just, holy shit, he's just, he's one of the best screenwriters. It, you know, not, that, there's no way to not sound pretentious about this, so I'll just at least say like the last 25, 30 years from his movie work and like the West wing, all that kind of stuff. But like, if you've never seen the newsroom, if you've never watched anything that he's written or been a part of, um, it is amazing the volume of, of written word, uh, as, as a screenwriter that the man can do. Um, and this story, I actually, uh, uh, embarrassingly only was really, uh, vaguely aware of its occurrence on the surface. I never really knew the particulars about, what happened um this is this is around the the some of the demonstration organizers who were arrested and tried by the federal government um because of things that had happened during the democratic national convention in 1968 in chicago um they didn't really know each other they were all mostly part of different organizing factions and coming from different perspectives and the motivations of of their political drives were different and whatnot, um, and and the cast just knocks it out of the freaking park. It's it's incredible. Um, Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, and and uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. I think like for me, like of all the people on screen, I think they s- steal the show. Joseph Gordon Levitt um, is in a capacity that is different than we're used to seeing him in um where you kind of have i think you're sort of supposed to dislike him but given the nature of things you kind of have to empathize that he's kind of just doing like his job as a lawyer like it 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 kind of messes with your emotions a bit because i i feel i honestly don't think it had an agenda i don't think it came with a point of view um I, i i i saw it as being pretty objective um uh Mark Rylance uh, as the sort of collective uh, lawyer for for everybody in the group except uh, Yaya's character. Um, it's just very compelling. It's it's really freaking good stuff. Um, it's again one of those movies that's like a little bit longer. It's on the two hour end, but just holy crap! Like it rolls. It's engaging. It's it's just really good. Like I said he's so he's so good as a screenwriter that he knows how to like his movies are his the stuff that he does is so dominated by dialogue yeah 
Um, but, but he's such a natural conversationalist writer and the people that get selected to deliver the stuff that he writes, um, know how to put it together. And, you know, then when he's the director, he can definitely, you know, have more control over the outcome of that. But, um, it's just, it's just good. Yeah. I love Sorkin stuff, especially as a writer. Like I, social network is one of my favorite movies. Um, the newsroom. I love that show on HBO. I thought that was really fantastic. Um, what else has he done? Uh, I, he wrote Moneyball, right? Didn't he write Moneyball? I believe so. Moneyball mm-hmm. was great. Um, the Steve Jobs movie with Fassbender, I thought was really good. Um, this one was also good. I really liked this one too. I actually kind of forgot this came out, so I'll be honest, I didn't put it on my list because I kind of forgot it existed over the years we were covering. Um, but yeah, I like this one too a lot. I I I don't remember. I guess like what directorial of him like sort of stands out like i don't remember it really doing anything fancy or different from a directorial standpoint but you're right just the dialogue heavy stuff and i know a lot of people like love or hate his dialogue either they they follow it and they're like oh this is really good or if it's like they're just talking too much and no one ever talks like this who writes this stuff because you don't speak this way in real life this sounds like it's fake like i but i dig it i i think it drives the tension i think uh and maybe it's nice that it makes everybody seem smarter. I don't know. But I, I like the way he writes stuff. I like it. Did anybody else see this, Ian? Mike? I did not watch this one. No? Uh, my only comments are, fuck Nixon. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I can agree with that, but I don't. <laughs> I have not seen the movie. Uh, uh, if anyone's looking for some other Sorkin familiarity, uh, he wrote The Social Network, the Facebook movie with Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, a really fantastic movie with... Um, uh, Tom Hanks called Charlie Wilson's War. Um, he wrote The American President in like the mid '90s with uh, Michael Douglas. That's a good one. Uh, and Richard Dreyfuss. Um, and he wrote A Few Good Men. So since this was Sorkin, how many scenes were people walking down hallways talking? A lot of it is courtroom stuff, so yeah. not as much as you'd think. Or they're at their like. Did he try and get someone to do it. In the <laughs> Yeah, it's not the, it's not the West Wing walk and talks that used to happen. Yeah, there's nothing the like newsroom that. Newsroom did it a lot too. That's true. That's true. Yes, yeah. you are correct. Um, right. Nothing else for that. We'll move on to my number six. Um, I'm almost ashamed that this movie hit my number six. I wanted it to be higher, but then when I started working like at my top movies and just coming down, this is just kind of where it landed. Uh, my number six is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So I I like this movie a lot. I think it's fantastic. I think it was different enough for what Marvel has done. Um, I think it's beautifully shot for what the movie is. And the fight choreography is amazing. I, I want to see more of this character and this director. And I want to see them have more fun with stuff in the MCU and see where these characters go. I am I am all for this. I love this movie. I think it's worth seeing. We talked about it on the review for the show or for the uh, movie. I think even if you're new to the MCU, you could probably largely watch this by itself and still be fine. Like, I don't think you Definitely. need to go in with 20 movies behind you to get this you, movie. You don't need any of them. Yeah. So you if can watch this as a solo. If you're looking but for what an if entry I don't point, know what superheroes are? It's fine. They, they teach it to you. They give you enough to go on. It's fine. What if I don't know what rings are? They, they show you rings. They tell you all about the rings. It's fine. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. All, the, all the, the origin of the explain. rings is in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I def- so if you're if you're new to the MCU, you haven't watched anything, you've heard about Shang-Chi, you want to check it out, definitely I would say check it out. Watch it. 
And then if that spirals you into the other it's MCU true, stuff, it's better. <laughs> so you guys get whatever you want to add. Um, chime in. It, this made an honorable mention for me. Um, and this was one of those ones where it was like, man, I I think this is a really damn good Marvel movie. Among all the Marvel movies we get these days, this is one of the better ones. Um, and had I not rewatched it, I think it probably would have made my list. So wait, I think it bumped re- down in the rewatch. Yeah, I think it, it. It for me, the what uh, what what what's the term? Um. It was bad. <laughs> no, no, no. It's still a very good movie. I, I, I guess the impact. Not necessarily impact, but the um, I guess it, like the the effect of a new character, like that that myth of the new character that you don't know a lot about that you learn about in a movie the first time you watch it. Origin story. No, I'm saying like just in general, like that mystique. Mystique. That is actually the correct word. Okay. Um, of learning about a character for the first time. That mystique of learning about the character for the first time was better on the first watching than on the second. And the okay. third and the fourth, because I've watched it several times. Um, and I think it just kind of fell back a little bit for me. Um, because of the rewatch and losing that... Mystique. Okay. Um, the action sequences, the characters, I still love it all. I want to see more. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. It's on my honorable mentions. You know what I mean? It's still there. It's just just outside, you know? Okay. Ian, I know you didn't um, get this far in your MCU discussion, so you can't chime in, huh? Oh, I can. Um, so <laughs> I really thought um, Kung Fu Hustle did rings better. <laughs> there there was mind. inspiration there. You're not wrong. If you if you watch the two movies, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, Josh, what do you think of Shang Chi? Uh, I I thought quite highly of it. Um, so we'll see it later for you. You you will. Yes, <laughs> I, I I enjoyed it. It did it, it. I saw it twice in theaters. We just rewatched it um, within the last two weeks. Um, I liked it maybe even a little bit more this last time having a couple months break in between um yeah i can i can talk about my, my my stuff now or hold off till it hits what do you want up to you i mean we're already there you might as well go for it um i guess i'll try not to be as like repetitive from the like full review episode we did on it already a couple of months ago but um i i i think they did something special with it um especially that actor uh that 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 is pretty much the you know feature movie debut for that actor and he's the lead and he's the title character and you know with these stories he's going to have to be around for several more chapters there was a lot riding on that yeah and uh you know i don't know if it's just i don't call it beginner's luck necessarily but like he was so natural as that and it probably helps that i had no preconceived notion of him as an actor 
So there was no mold for him to break. There was no other character for me to have to forget. You know, he was just, he's Shang-Chi. Right. Um, but he was just, like I said, just completely natural. It felt great. I think the, the chemistry between all the characters that you needed there to be chemistry with just naturally riffed and, and it went well. I loved the production design. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, there was very little about it that, that I really didn't like or could even critique. Have you gone back to watch, uh, I know he was, uh, in a sitcom that I think is on Netflix now, Kim's Convenience. I have that. We, we've added it to the list and it's probably, you know, we're going to get to it within the next couple of months, but no, we've not watched it yet. Okay. Did, yeah. It's on my you? list too. I, I wanted to see it because I think, like you said, watching him and he's so likable in the movie that it's like, well, what else he's been in? And that's the, the one big thing that I think has a couple seasons that it's like, well, okay, I kind of want to see what else he's done. But yeah, I haven't got there yet. It's on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else for Shang-Chi? Or we'll move on to Mike's number six. Mike's number six. Go for it, Mike. Okay, so coming at number six, we're back to the video game motif uh, for the last time on my list, actually. Um, ends at number six. Doesn't make the top half of the list. It's kind of strange. But I told you guys earlier when we had our little uh, test call that there was a movie I rewatched that was my number one until the rewatch. This is that movie. Dropped five spots. Dropped five spots on the rewatch, yes. Uh, the mystique of watching it the first time in the theater. I went, I had an empty theater. Just me to watch this movie. Uh, at the Pittsburgh Mills. Did you pull Mills. a What'd you say? I said, did you pull a Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> Jesus. No. Unfortunately, I did not. Um, I maybe next time. Maybe next time. I didn't. It didn't occur to me. Well, now they know where you go to the movies, so you can't <laughs> do that there. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. And anyways, um, I went. I went and I managed to get this in on maybe its last day in theaters. So, it, like, it was one of those things where I was sick for a while, and then I would have been there day one if I wasn't sick. But I was sick for a while. I got there to the theater on, like, its last day in the theaters. I was alone, and I came out of the theater. I was like, that's my number one. That That's it right there. I have recently managed to rewatch it, as it was just last week available to purchase, um, as, you know, from uh, Amazon. You know, it was a digital purchase. It was just finally available. And that is Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon yeah, City. okay. Okay. Um... Oh, yeah, I thought this was something else. This movie took, um, I guess, the shit that Wes Anderson took on the Resident Evil franchise for the last couple decades. Paul Anderson. Paul Anderson. Why did I say Wes Anderson? (laughs) I don't know. It took the shit that he took on it for the last couple of decades, and it kind of righted the ship. It, it took it in a more in a direction that followed the narrative that the games presented that people loved in the first place. And there's a reason why we fell in love with these video games. And it, you know, the narrative that they had behind them was solid. The atmosphere that these games had, atmosphere, <laughs> was fantastic. It was great. I loved it. And then you had these movies for so long that were just action movies that had the title Resident Evil. 
and they didn't even use a main character. They, they had a character named Alice that they threw in there that was a superhero for God knows what fucking reason. Well, you're forgetting that she also was married to the director. <laughs> no, she was married <laughs> to the director. That's true. That's true. She was married to the director. But, oh, man, just, they were so disappointing for so long. And all I've wanted as somebody who has loved these games for decades of my life we're approaching the third decade actually we're in the third decade this is 1996 when resident evil first came out and i've been playing them since then my parents were horrible they let me have games like that when i was 11 <laughs> oh, i thought you were like 22 <laughs> anyways that's all right everybody ian will be graduating from high school this year so let's all wish him well it's Don't true tell the cops i'm drinking <laughs> And, but, but, but it's three decades in my life. I've been wanting to see these movies brought to film in a correct way because I love horror as a genre, both in video games and movies in every aspect. I love it. And seeing what they did with it the first time around was just, you know, if it wasn't with the name resident evil, those movies are still kind of shitty, but like any of them. You know, the first one is okay, the second one is okay, the third one is okay, and then it goes off a fucking cliff. The um, second one with Nemesis, or did they say yeah, that's second the third one. one? Okay, I stopped watching after that one. They actually put a tyrant in the third one. Ooh, look at them. And then after that, the, 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 the closest reference we get to the actual games is one of the bosses from Resident Evil 5. The big dude, the executioner, that has the big giant axe in Resident yes, Evil 5 at the beginning. He shows up in the fourth movie. That's about it. And then Wesker is there, but he's not like he, it's not even the like the same good version of Wesker that the games had for a while. Chris doesn't punch a boulder. None of that shit happens. Doesn't happen. It's bullshit. The point being, they took Resident Evil Raccoon City takes the opportunity to reset the movie franchise. And set us back into the origin story of how all of this came about. And they do it the right way. They do it with a story that's loyal to the games. I think I've heard that. Um, I've heard that from multiple people. I think it's, I still haven't seen this one. I, I kind of would like to. I feel like if it ends up on a streaming service somewhere for free, I'd probably watch it or try to check it out. I I will screen share, watch party it with you, whatever, whenever you want. I own it. Why are all these people admitting to doing illegal shit on the internet? <laughs> That's not legal for me to share it with him. It's a copy. It's a DMCA violation. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's the same as me saying, come over to my house and watch it. Same shit. I'm not putting it out there on in the public. Um, Josh, you watched this one too, right? <laughs> I did. And, and a lot of... I agree with a lot of what Mike's saying. I come at it from a different point because I, I, I was friends with people who did play these games when they first came out, like especially the first two. And at that age, like I was really into them too. I loved the puzzle aspect of it. It was like zombie adventure stuff. And, and like, I had never in the late nineties, like had never played video games like that where like, that was the gameplay. That was the objective. That's how you progress. That was really cool. Um, after that, like from a gaming perspective, obviously, like I tapped out. I didn't follow it in that aspect. Um, I don't like myself, apparently. And so I saw every single one of those damn 
<laughs> Mila Jovovich Resident Evil movies. Um, and he's right. I, I agree that like the first two are the only ones that I even think are worth watching at all. Um, this one, this like reboot was way better than it had any business to be. Okay. Um, like yeah. the, the direction, the story, just the, the composition of it. Um, it was good. It knew exactly what it was. It didn't try to be anything more and it, it tried to stay fun. It did it, it like, like legit. I thought it was a pretty good zombie flick as it's just like okay. a standalone kind, kind of assessment. It was, it was good. Which is why we have fans of the video games have wanted this version of resident evil to see the screen for so long, because that's what it is. It's a really good survival zombie story. Just so happens this, we also get the best ever cinematic use of Jennifer Page's crush uh, as well. <laughs> if you know Jennifer Page's crush, if you know, know the, the song, song. Yeah, 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 you will recognize it in the movie, and it is it's fantastic. The way that they use Josh, do you remember this from the movie? I do not. If it's not Nirvana, Josh doesn't know what it is. <laughs> they, 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 is that by Imagine Dragons? <laughs> It, it, they heavily feature two songs in the movie. One is Journey, Any Way You Want It, gets featured. Oh. <laughs> For that part, That's right I'm up Josh's sure alley, too. <laughs> it, I, but, I will say, from, from not because of the song, necessarily, but from just like a movie composition standpoint, the use of that song was very effective. Okay. Exactly. It... It, it it was really good. You'll enjoy it any way you want it and the way they use it. But Jennifer Page's crush just comes out of nowhere because one, who thinks to use that song? The Journey song gets used any way you want it has been in how many fucking movies? Like, it's used all the time. Crush by Jennifer Page? When's the last time you heard that in a movie? Probably never, but... Exactly. I'm trying but to here, figure out it what is that definitely... song <laughs> <laughs> Why do I not know what this is? Just... A little crush, you know. Oh, it is. Oh, that is it. Okay, that's that's the only thing that was popping in my head. But I'm like, yeah. Be it. Why would it be that? Because it doesn't make any sense for the scene that it's in. Just like any way you want it, it's just completely detached from what's going on on screen, and it's so yeah. fun. And, and it's, it's, at this point, it's yeah, you're right. It, it's much more kind of forgotten and obscure. Yeah, but yeah, it it, it just Maxwell's silver hammer. <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's a Beatles song. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maxwell Silverhammer is a Beatles, Beatles song? Hell yeah, it's on Revolver. Wow, alright. Yeah, um, everyone that wasn't Paul McCartney hated it. <laughs> um, I'm, you, you know what? You can, you can look this one up on YouTube. I'm not singing it more. I'm not being baited into that, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sing. There's a reason I don't sing. So we're going to stop. We did start. She's just asking you to finish. Ian, you don't know any more of it. You you said you you did not see this yet, right? (laughs) No, but I have, um, I, this is the highest praise I've heard it given. (laughs) I I honestly, as a movie, as a movie, as a cinematic experience, it's okay. As a fan of the video games, it nearly was my favorite movie of the last two years. That's where I've heard more of my criticism was from people that enjoyed the game, so that's why I'm a little surprised. Oh, okay. I guess it's a matter of, like, how much you resented and hated the other movies and how much closer this one gets. It's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. 
this game combines the first there this movie combines the first two games when it makes much more sense to do the first game on its own and combine the second and third game mm-hmm. um but well just the fact that it's using it, game stories from the games is a step in the right direction well exactly I think part of it too is i think at this point if you wanted to do resident evil movies they're better off just taking the story from seven and eight and starting the franchise there I think Seven especially is a very good horror movie if done by like correctly. Like that's basically sounds like a Bloomhouse like easy couple hundred million easy. I I would agree with that actually. Like seeing Seven and Eight brought to film, which I hope we do. I hope this leads to that. I hope they skip from here. Maybe they do three. You know, I mean the Nemesis story, but just because Nemesis is Nemesis and. There's a reason it's an iconic video game villain, and it's going to get to see screen time. And Jill. And Jill, yeah. And that's Hannah John Kamen now, which she's awesome. Mm. So I will definitely um, be there for that, too. But then four, maybe, you know, do four and five is like what Leon and Chris are off doing in their own time in a single movie, maybe alongside three. Maybe mash those together into a shitty movie that the fans still love because it still follows the themes and then just start with seven and eight after that. Fuck six. Don't do anything with six. Don't touch that. Leave it to <laughs> I die. I still never play that game. What about Let Code it burn Veronica? in hell. I would watch a solo Code Veronica film. Send Claire off and let, like, that would be cool. Uh, I, right. Because they actually touched on that a little bit. All right, before sorry, we get I sidetracked could... again, we are on number six. We're like two hours into this thing. All right, so. all right, all right, <laughs> it's not my fault. Right. Last right, comment no. Last comment I will make about this. Uh, Ian, if you need any more of a carrot dangled for this, uh, that Four Non Blonde song from the, your, your He-Man meme. <laughs> He-Man! What's up? <laughs> is, is, makes, makes a feature as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. Is He-Man in it? <laughs> not that I remember. Didn't they just announce a new casting for He-Man? Yeah, it's some blonde dude. Yeah, I don't know who it is, but I just saw like, oh yeah, new He-Man. Yeah, I think it's like a live action thing. Yeah, Yeah. I saw it on the NPR newscast. Uh, All right, so Ian, you're number six. What do you got? This isn't on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, Jintama, the very final, directed by Chizuru Miyawaki, a long-term director of Jintama, who also previously did key animation for Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, Solid State Society. As the war temporarily calms down and Ido rebuilds, Jintoki finds Shimpachi, who is still unaware of his return on a bridge. However, a fight quickly breaks out between the Yorazua and the Tenshin Naruka. Suspicion grows, forcing Jintoki to use what is nearest, a loincloth, to mask his identity. Saved for the time being, Shintoki enters the Yoruza office, but unbeknownst to him, someone else is already waiting there. Meanwhile, Kondo departs Earth to marry Princess Bubble in an, amu- in an attempt to improve the diplomatic relations. But after boarding the Gorilla Amanto mothership, he realizes he doesn't speak their language. <laughs> Confused, Kondo tries conversing with them, only to inadvertently gain their support. However, someone associated with the princess crashes the ceremony. Will the wedding continue, or has Kondo just been saved from becoming the next gorilla prince? The story finally concludes after 15 years. We finally find out if our fish-eyed hero Jintoki can liberate Japan from Amanto control while preventing Earth from 
being destroyed. A brilliant end to one of the longest running core shonen series that has taught us many things over the years, including I think the greatest lesson in manga history. Your main character has to be identifiable by their outline alone. Otherwise, it's a shit character. <laughs> So Jintama, obviously, is a long-running action series that has a lot of comedy bits built into it that's been in print for, I think, over 20 years. The anime started, like I said, about 15 years ago, and it's basically about this. It started off being about this guy trying to get these aliens out after Japan lost the war to the aliens, and then it kind of devolved into him and his friends doing random bullshit because they work <laughs> at a place called Odd Jobs, and they did Odd Jobs, like that um, James Bond villain. So... Isn't there a guy named Oddjob? There is, but I don't Did think they that's throw how it hats? Works, but continue. <laughs> I never Did saw they have those bowler movies. hats. <laughs> yeah, you admitted to that earlier. <laughs> no. Um Were they shorter this, than this, everybody else so you couldn't shoot them? This is like one of my favorite series. I, I was very intimidated trying to start it because it was at that point, I think, about two hundred episodes long, which is a lot, but Naruto's over a thousand. So not that long. So I jumped in and I instantly fell in love with it from the start and then I got one of my friends who in chat to start watching it and then because it's so long we couldn't watch it all together or they never would have caught up. So we would randomly rewatch stuff together and then the last three, four years we've been able to catch up and uh, this series was actually supposed to end a couple years ago but the author just said, nah, I, I'm not done actually, I want to do more. So the anime actually played with it by like start setting up the ending, which is the beginning of this film, and then doing a meta break where they called cut, and then yelled at the author for fucking over their anime <laughs> for not giving them the ending they were promised. So it's a very like fun series. They even went back during the time when the author was finishing it to cover episodes they had skipped were purely comedy episodes of no major overbearing plot, kind of like Goku getting his driver's license, but, like, actually took place in the manga. It wasn't just made up. I don't know if, Mike, you knew that. Goku <laughs> spends a whole episode getting his driver's license with Piccolo. I, I just I, I just was just taken aback at the way that you said it, like, it's common knowledge. <laughs> Everyone knows that episode. <laughs> like, like oh, yeah, that episode, <laughs> we get Goku gets his driver's license. Like, everybody, like, this doesn't need explanation. We know it. Like, so, right. like I said, the soup Nazi, everybody knows the driver's license episode. <laughs> this director, like I said, she um, has been directing Jintama now for about eight years. She's really great at it. She brought out, I think, the best of everyone. Um, they even told you, like, at the end how proud this studio was to finally bring this series to a conclusion. And it's just a great samurai flick. I don't recommend jumping in for the movie called The Very Final as your first watch of the series. But if you're only going to watch one thing from this series, I think it's not bad. There is another movie they made a while ago that was just a... They made a movie version of one of the early story arcs. You could just jump into that if you just look for Jintama. I think it's very fun samurai action with, like, the quasi... This takes place in, like, ancient... Not ancient, but middle-aged Edo Japan. But there's also robots and aliens. It's a very fun mishmash. And they do a lot of parody of other anime and stuff. And they had one of their openings for the TV show was drawn in MS Paint because they just <laughs> decided, fuck it. <laughs> and uh, the title cards for every episode is actually um, drawn by someone in, like, Jap I forget what the, now it's called off the top of my head. But, like, the official Japanese script writing thing. Um, calligraphy. In calligraphy. Okay. Like, hand-drawn calligraphy for all the title cards, which is nice. just a really nice touch. It's a great thing that you should all watch all 300 episodes of <laughs> you're gonna have to send me the title of that movie again because i missed it when Jin? You were Jin? 
Gin. Like the vodka. Like yep. the alcohol. Yep. T-A-M-A. Okay. Colon. Colon. Then in all caps, the very final. Very final. Got it. Nailed it. <laughs> it's in the list. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen this one, so I can't add anything to it. <laughs> uh, I mean, on the one hand, I would... I feel like I sh- one of us should remind that we said, like, this should be a spoilers-free review and, and comment, uh, comments of, of all of the our selections. However, like, Ian gave us the entire movie. I thought it was more no, anime backstory for the, for, to set up the movie. Is that it? was just a setup. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, that was just a setup. All right, then we're going to stop there because I can't even handle what the hell might actually I think that happen. was more like, hey, this happened in the anime show, and then that sets up like, what happens in the movie. Like, the gorilla marriage might be a spoiler, but it's set up, and we just get the outcome of the gorilla marriage in the movie. Okay. So, so I, when you yeah. say gorilla marriage, <laughs> it's a large gorilla who is the princess of the gorilla planet. So this is a G-O gorilla, not a G-U-E. G-O. G-O. Okay. Yes. This is like if this is actually just like King Kong. Like <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Gorilla Grodd. There we go. Yeah. Yes. This is a gorilla woman and they all speak gorilla. And that's okay, why you can't I'm communicate just... with them. It's all good. I'm just. Confirm a planet of gorillas. Okay. Totally tracks. Yep. Yeah. And they fly spaceships. <laughs> just just wanted to be clear. <clears throat> uh, so I got nothing. Anybody, anybody else got anything for this one? <laughs> nothing? Okay. Sorry, Ian. We're going to leave you hanging and we're going to move on. <laughs> I, I, I'm ready for it. I got a couple more. <laughs> uh, Joshua, number six. Uh, okay. Well, after that, my brain is broken a little bit and thank god this is one we already talked about so i don't have to say many words <laughs> uh and this will bring us to the end of our halfway point um my number six is suicide squad it was okay. big zany funny weird violent amazing still it it was it was good what is this some kind of quasi sequel <laughs> reboot <laughs> You know, it feels like, you know, like a long time ago that that was said. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, Will Smith said it during that YouTube rewind. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Hey, everybody. It's Brian. Uh, just I'm popping in one more time. I just wanted to say again, thank you for listening. This is where we're going to end part one of what ended up being a four and a half hour live show on Twitch. So I'm I'm cutting this into two parts. I probably could have done more parts, but I think two is probably enough just so we're not spreading it out over, you know, four weeks or whatever for the episode to get through. So we'll, we'll give you two parts, probably about two hours, two and a half for some of them. Um, but yeah, I, I just, again, thank you for, for listening, for checking the podcast out whenever you guys get a chance to. We've made it to 250 episodes. It's longer than I ever thought we'd be able to do this. Um, so again, just thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but that's all I got. You can tell I'm rambling because I don't have anything scripted for this part. Uh, but just want to let you know, this is where we're going to end. It stops abruptly once we get to our number fives. So tune in. Hopefully next week I will have the second half edited. We'll jump right into our fifth and then work our way up to number one. Uh, at that point we realized, you know, we've, we've gone way, way over what we wanted to as far as time. So the end of the episode is kind of like speed round for a lot of stuff, but uh, I'll I'll leave I'll save that for when you guys finally get there. Um, 
Again, if you would like to watch the entire live show, uh, I have saved it on my Twitch channel, so you can check us out at Jedi Bry Guy uh, on Twitch. Um, I'll go through the normal stuff. Uh, if you want to like and subscribe, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, any of that stuff, we are there. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, search Bry Guy and Super Friends, or search Bry Guy and Super Friends. Uh, or sorry, facebook.com slash friends. See, this is what happens when I'm not going off my normal script. I start re- misremembering what I'm trying to say here. Uh, yeah, so we're on Facebook. All the links and stuff are there. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at BG Superfriends. All the links for the past couple episodes and stuff will be there. Uh, and that's probably about it. I threw out the Twitch channel, so you can check that out if you get a second, or if you want to come back and watch the whole four-and-a-half-hour live show or chip away at that, that is there. So, yeah, that's where we're going to end part one uh on behalf of myself uh josh ian mike and andy wasn't there but on behalf of andy as well thank you for listening uh we'll talk to you next time for part two